Welcome to the 93rd episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today, we'll be breaking down anime that aired during the sixth week of the spring 2019 season. Oh, shit. Sixth week. We're halfway there. (laughs) Oh, living on a prayer. Oh, we're going to get taken down. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Anyway, sorry for interrupting your intro. It's true. But it was was fun. Okay. (laughs) Stay tuned for the end of the podcast when we'll discuss any mid-season cuts that we want to make. Oh, shit, guys. Where's going to be a showdown, I think? <laughs> um, as always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast feed. If you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, I mean, that's dumb, but that's your choice. As we spoil literally everything. My name is Kat, and... Oh, that's not Cat. That's Nezuko from Demon Slayer, Nezuko. Oh. <laughs> this is the worst intro we've ever done. <laughs> they like just make muffled noises, and I'm like, "What the fuck do you want from me?" <laughs> well, you know, have you you know at the end of every like Demon Slayer episode, like they do a little skit where it's just Tanjiro and Nezuko, and like whenever she responds, she's like. <laughs> and it's just the stupidest thing. So I was hoping for something like that. Don't you, don't you know, Becom, that Nezuko's real point in that series is to be seen and not heard. Oh yeah, no, she's like her, a proper woman should. Her real point in that series is so the Dojins <laughs> will just write themselves. That's the whole point. Right. Oh boy, she's God. Anyway, I'm Leo. How are you guys doing? Oh, hey, Leo. Nah. How are you doing? Fine. Uh, what nonsense did you get up to uh, this past I got week? two things. Mm-hmm. One, I played a little bit of the Dauntless games, free-to-play. It's basically Monster Hunter. So it's okay. Oh, yeah, I heard about that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it needs some work, but most games anymore when they first come out need to. And like I said, being free-to-play, you can't really complain too much. I guess it had a ton of uh, server issues for like that first yeah. week. I never ran into that problem, so I guess I'm just the lucky one. Well, that's good. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, if you'd like Monster Hunter, then it's probably a game you should check out. It's on everything. It's cross-play, so that's pretty sweet. Nice. Yep. Uh, I also watched Godzilla King of Monsters. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How nice. was that? Uh, okay, so like, I went to this movie for the monster fights, which is exactly what I got, so that's great. You know, f- screw this story. It's not that important. But... It was just so funny to me because it's probably the blurriest movie I have ever watched. <laughs> so I didn't actually notice that because I also watched this. Oh my god! No, oh, I noticed it right off the bat and could not stop seeing it. So every single monster that is on screen is being shrouded by something or slightly hidden behind something like that. So just off the top of my memory, and I'm sure I forgot a couple of. A couple of the things they used to like hide them, like I we've talked about this before. Like in movies, they'll do like a scene at night in the dark with the mm-hmm. rain, just so you don't get to see the animation well, too well. Yeah, yeah, like a fight scene or something. But I I think they just did it here, you know, so the monsters stayed more realistic looking, and you weren't just like, whoa, that's a CGI monster. <laughs> so yeah, th- that these makes were sense. these were the things. So uh, rain, snow, underwater. There was a lot of fucking oh, rain. God. I was really <laughs> yeah. tired of that. underwater smoke. Ash, fire, mm-hmm. dirt, buildings, explosion, light, <laughs> and darkness. I'm pretty sure there was a hazy afternoon at one point. There was a waterfall, Ooh. ice, lightning, clouds, and a fucking hurricane and lava. 
all these things were used <laughs> to slightly like put them behind a screen of some okay. sort so you never get to see them truly. As someone who does not like action sequences that much, I was dragged to this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did not have that much fun. I think the most fun I had was, first of all, Mothra was kind of cool because it was very pretty. Yeah. The queen of and the And then monsters. second of all, the memes after the Godzilla movie were hilarious because I got to barb my boyfriend with them for like <laughs> days. So I guess we know who dragged you to I- it now. <laughs> <laughs> I-, I had to be like, look how stupid the movie you made us watch was. Look. Um, <laughs> but there, the, there's like one in particular that I saw that I just loved. And it was like, there's a, a particular scene where he's Godzilla's under the ocean. Mm-hmm. And he's like has his head up and he's like spewing that weird blue shit that comes out of his mouth like a nuclear his, reactor. His mouth, Kamehameha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, and they did like a, like a math equation and they're like, if this was real, like Godzilla would be X amount taller than like, <laughs> than da, 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 da. that doesn't make any sense. And they're like, how would he get that high <laughs> without being like that tall? And they're like, Elevator shoes? Was he on top of a Nimbus cloud? A friendly whale? Oh, God. <laughs> like a friendly whale? <laughs> I like the whale option. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he'd crush any whale that tried to have him <laughs> on his back. Can you imagine? It was Moby Dick. Hey, what yeah. if he has a whale for each foot? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that would be so weird. He would truly be the king of monsters then. He's like, hey, Mothra, what do you think about my whale shoes? <laughs> also, how is he having sex with Mothra? How is Godzilla Wait, fucking Mothra? <laughs> is this something that happened in this movie? It's uh, no, but they're, they're a couple. upon in the movie. Like, whoa, are they getting it on? How are they doing that? <laughs> so, it gets brought up in the movie. <laughs> how is that physically possible? You tell me. <clears throat> there would be like, you know, have you ever squished a moth? Yeah. So you know that like weird dust that happens when you can you imagine after they get yeah, you re- have, like done fucking You have Google just search for Godzilla Mothra Dojin and you'll find wait, it. Moth doesn't, lizard porn. Doesn't Godzilla I'm not watching it? Doesn't Godzilla like breathe fire in this movie? He's yes. got a blue. And you know what they say beam. about a moth? Being attracted to the flames. Oh my god, match made in heaven. (laughs) Also, wouldn't his jizz be like so radioactive it would just destroy everything? I mean, Mothra could probably take it. Yeah, probably Mothra. You would say. (laughs) Anyway, this is the rabbit holes that I subjected him to for dragging me to this. Jesus. I feel I I was. Got, I gave what I got. So eventually, I I bet you'll probably go see it, Become. And when you do that, Mm -hmm. tell me. How many scenes you see a monster and there's not something shrouding them in some way? It's going to be like a personal challenge of mine to see if I can find something you didn't list. Like, what did you have like a notepad in the theater? You wrote all these no, things down. I got home and I'm like, I want to rant about this. So I just opened our Google Doc and just started typing in everything I could remember. And then like I'd go away and then something huh. else would pop in my head. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to type that down too. Oh my God. But it. I got really, in, oh, I got really tired of the dumb three headed. Dragon bullshit thing. Oh, Ghidorah. And they're gonna just bring it back again. Why do you say that? Dun dun dun. Because of the ending credits scene where they're like, "We found the head of it. What could we do with this?" 
What? Mecha Ghidorah. Like, yeah, of course they're going to do some shit like I that. I missed that part. Like, Was that like stupid. in the credits or something? Probably, yeah. You didn't wait for the after credit scene because you didn't weren't trained by Marvel fans. I didn't know I had <laughs> an That's after credit happened. scene. Yeah, the next step would be <laughs> Mecha Ghidorah because he's the next thing. Nice. Yeah, I have no idea about any of the timeline here. I'm just annoyed that I'm going to have to watch another one Back of these fucking dragon elementary things. school, I checked out all these books in our library. So I have like a kind of a old memory of shit. So like, yeah, I know Mecha Ghidorah would be the next one. <laughs> uh, so while you guys are watching Godzilla, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of anime lately. No uh, way. Even like outside of the podcast. And you know, really? the thing about a lot of anime is it's really shittily written garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So sometimes I like to recharge by watching uh, actually good television. Um, and so I finally went back, like when the first season had come out of The Americans, I watched it at the time. And then I was like, damn, this is really good. But I actually kind of really want to binge this like whenever it's over. And so many years later, I decided, hey, like like a couple weeks ago, I'm going to start just binging through this. And so I binged through like all six seasons of it on Amazon uh, over like the past two weeks. And man, that show is really, really good. It's really well written. If you don't know it, it's about like two uh, Russians who get sent over like in their early 20s. Uh, to become embedded spies in the United States during, like, the 70s and 80s uh, during the Cold War. And so they have to basically appear to be a normal American family. They have kids here who don't know that they're Russian spies. Uh, oh, that, that would, are they sleeper agents? How, how bad would that fuck you up yeah. if you're just a normal kid? And then one day your parents are like, yeah, we were secret agents and now we have to go back to Russia. Let me tell you that they, they explore that question very much. <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy. And I, I think every season of it is pretty good except for season five, which was like sort of slower. It lost a bit of steam in that season, but it, it still had some really good moments. It was more like the characters who were the spies were starting to fall out of love with what they did and realizing they kind of wanted to get out of it. And then so season six, the finale season deals with that. And the final episode of the show is really kind of like understated, but like emotionally crushing at certain moments. Uh, it's one of the better finales I've seen for a TV show is really good. So I, I recommend checking that out if you haven't. It's really, really fun. Okay. Uh, anything else you got up to, Kat? Ooh, so I watched Chernobyl, the Ooh. HBO miniseries or whatever nice. the fuck. So there's one more episode that's going to come out, and I'm, like, psyched. Because, like, all the other ones show the aftermath. Because the whole series, and I'm going to spoil a lot of what happens, yeah. I feel like. But the whole series isn't really about, like, what happens. It's just about, like, the holy fuckness of it. Yeah. Because you kind of know already. So it's really well, just yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> People are fairly fairly familiar with Chernobyl, but even I so I had watched like the first episode and that's all I've watched. Even mm -hmm. that like there were certain things about like how things went down that I just didn't know. Um yeah. so yeah. Like the guy like uh, so apparently before this they had no like reference. They did not think that a nuclear reactor could explode. Yeah, They thought it could overheat or whatever, but they're like, oh, it isn't possible for it to explode. Yeah. It couldn't happen. And so when it actually did, 
like the guy in charge, all these workers would come up and be like, it's exploded. There's graphite on the ground, which apparently there's only graphite in the core. Yeah. And and the guy would just be like, you're confused. It can't have exploded. So therefore, it hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which is the equivalent of like someone being like, there's fire raining from the sky. And someone being like, that can't that happen. Can't so happen. It, <laughs> yeah. it's not occurring. Like as fire just rains down around them. Like it's like that dog sitting in the room with the fire, and it's just like this is fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> like it's insane, and I don't know some of the things that they did to contain it. Like in the later episodes, you find out there's three levels that they have to clear all of the graphite and radioactive material off of. Mm-hmm. In order to, like, at least reduce the radiation, because it's it keeps like basically emitting, which I had no idea it was this bad, emitting enough radiation every day as like two Hiroshima's. Jesus, yeah, it's supposed Yikes. to like double every day, something crazy. Yeah, so like every single day that that thing wasn't cleaned up, it was like two Hiroshima's worth of radiation. Wow, and so they had to clean it up. But and at first they were like, well, we can send these uh, robots that they used in the moon landing (laughs) to clean up. So they did that for the first two levels. But then the third level was so strong because it it gets like more and more concentrated as you go down that the it wouldn't even work. Like no electronics would work. The the robot broke down, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it would just stop. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't use like flashlights. Because at one point at the beginning, they had to send three people in basically to die because yeah. it was so radioactive so they could, like, turn some valve. And they went in and their flashlights just stopped working. And they're like, fuck! And <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> um, and so they, what they did is, because it was such a huge cleanup job, um, they, they calculated that if a person was on there for two minutes, it would reduce their lifespan. It would cut their lifespan in half. Jesus. So because they had no choice, they just sent like thousands and thousands and thousands of people in for two minutes each. Oh my God. <laughs> so I, it, I don't remember how many, like I, it was like, it was in the tens of thousands of people. Just to clean would, up all this stuff? Just to clean up that third level, especially. Man. And they would just send them in, and they would have a timer, and they would go, eh, and they would have to run back, and their lifespan would be cut in half, so those people would only live to be, like, 35. Man. And they did that thousands and, like, tens of thousands of times. Did these people who were sent in, did they know that their lifespan was going to be cut in half? I don't think they told them all of it. I think they told them, like, so, that it was dangerous, mm-hmm. but I don't think they were telling them the extent to to what was going to happen to <laughs> I them. I can hear that, whatever that is. Oh, it, it's my rice cooker going off. Oh, is that like Soji Rushi? Yeah, I recognize yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> it makes the dumb noise. Sorry about that. But yeah, and, and I was just like, holy shit, imagine finding out like oh yeah you're only gonna live to be 35 oh yeah that's <laughs> like, the worst oh like shit uh, but, i guess it had yeah, to be the, done though there was no other way to get it done and it would have just kept seeping out so yeah and then there's this one lady they just kept following this pregnant bitch and i got really pissed off at her because her husband like was in the disaster and so he's terribly irradiated and they show you like how bad off he is 
And all the nurses keep telling this bitch, don't touch him. Don't go near him because, like, he's irradiated and you're pregnant. Yeah. And she just keeps fucking doing it. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I imagine she didn't really know, like, how bad. But, like, still, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. And then they're like, and it had horrible consequences for the baby. And oh, they, boy. <laughs> they show you and you're like, no. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that's a, an uplifting, uh, exciting series to watch. <laughs> But I will tell you, I I usually cannot binge series Mm -hmm. because I I just can't do it. This one I binged all in a day. So you know it's fucking good, even if it's terrible. (laughs) I I think it's because you just like seeing people suffer. I was going to say, I think it was all the death and destruction. I was pretty sure that's what it was. This seems to be your kind of thing, yeah. If you like horror movies, you will like this. It's very similar to that feel of like, ah, the whole time. For sure. It's pretty oppressive. All right, let's move on to actual anime. We got to <laughs> wait two more minutes. We're going to have a 20 minute intro. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, fuck it. They loved every second of it. That's not even <laughs> Absolutely. Lie. Okay, so Fruits Baskets, episode six. Kat, mm. where are we at with this? Okay, episode six. Perhaps we should invite ourselves over. That's what a psychopath so, does. Or just a very forceful person. I don't know. They're they're concerned friends. That's all they are. Yeah. So, so yeah, the school festival starts. And somehow the students are able to convince Yuki to reluctantly cross dress. And I put that in quotes because, like, if you're if you're gonna cross dress, there's something in it for you. No no man on the planet has been like, I really don't want to dress as a woman. But I guess because people want it so much, I'll do it. Like, come on. Yeah, he doesn't seem like that kind of person. But right? uh, for whatever reason, he goes with it. Maybe for, Toru asked you know. him very nicely. It's still, I just feel like that's, it's not in character for Yuki. He, he's, I don't know. It was weird to me that he ever he does that. he does look over at Toru to see like how she's reacting to him mm-hmm. and she's like oh he's so cute so. well that's cause yeah but yeah then Momi Mo, Moiji I always have trouble with his name cause I wanna say Momiji that is how you say it Momiji <laughs> but it it looks like Moiji it, no it doesn't there's an M <laughs> it says Momiji uh. <laughs> mm. but anyway Momiji comes to the festival with a Tori in order to check on Yuki at Akito's request. And Akito's like the the shadowy dude for like new watchers of Fruits Basket. Yeah. That they show like in the background who runs everything. Um and Akito's really interested in Yuki. So even though Yuki like tried to run a f- the fuck away as much as he could, like they're not letting him get away that easy basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and then Momichi intentionally hugs Toru during the festival in, in order to change into a rabbit so he can show her what he is. And, I mean, he has to have grown up just in the Soma compound exclusively or something. Like, to think that was okay. Yeah, it was kind of weird. It's just I mean, his personality, maybe, even though, you know... I like, don't know, because, like, even if it's your personality to be carefree, I feel like you understand that causing a global panic over changing into... A rabbit in a public place is probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. So I just, it has to be that he's so used to just only being in a place where everyone knows about what he is, and so he doesn't think about it. In any case, it was the bad thing. They cover for him, but barely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they all go up on the roof, and Hattori takes a picture of Yuki and Kyo, just so he can show Akito, I guess, and he leaves. And this just makes Yuki more embarrassed that he was caught in the act of cross-dressing. <laughs> and there's, like, proof on film, which I feel like is, like, a weird porn somewhere. Oh, shit, my cat is destroying everything. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop. Get, get the fuck off me. Being a cat. <laughs> <sighs> You're so tangled. He's, like, tangled in all of the wires, and he just, like, is determined to make, like, a spaghetti fork out of his legs. Oh, boy. Made out of computer wires. Shit. Stop it. Okay, anyway. Uh, Yuki warns Toru on the roof once Hattori leaves to never be alone with him because he can erase her memories and he may be asked to do so, you know, at one point. And so, of course, later in the same fucking episode, he calls and is like, you want to be alone with me? And she's like, sure! <laughs> Toru. Uh. I'm just like, you're so Oh. Uh, uh, Tara's never seen in a, a situation she couldn't get out of by just being kinder to everyone. So <laughs> she's just a dumb cunt. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, be she's a wonderful human being. No, she has no brain. <laughs> like who, who is who is told by someone you have to be really careful about this person. He's very dangerous. Never be alone with him. And then this guy calls you, is like, so you want to be alone with me? And she's like. Yeah, but let's do it. Everyone is naturally good on the inside, especially if you're just nice to them and connect with them, Kat. Uh, see, I love Fruits Basket. It pushes all of my <laughs> nostalgia buttons, but I always hated fucking Toru <laughs> so much because she's such a dumb bitch. <laughs> anyway. If only you guys could uh, see uh, my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, Arisa and Hana are getting suspicious of how close Toru is to Yuki and Kyo. And, Tor- and they kind of confront her, like, what's up? What's going on? You dating him? And Toru kind of lets it slip that she's, in fact, living with him. And them, I should say. And they immediately demand to spend the night at her house. Like, we're going to see how this is. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, which is sweet, but also a little confrontational. Just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not, we're not asking if we can come over. We're demanding it. Well, that's we the kind of people there. they are. Yeah. Yep. Especially yeah. Arisa. And Toro being so, a pushover, you know. Yeah. 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 So the sleepover is very heartwarming and cutesy. And it's designed to invoke, like, all the soft, fuzzy feelings. Um, you know, Hana and Arisa see that Yuki and Kyo care a lot about her. And they understand that Toru doesn't ask much for, for herself. and And they repeat that, like, Five times in this episode. Like, so many people are like, Toru doesn't ask much for herself. And I'm like, we get it. <laughs> you said it. We know. You don't need to say it five times. <laughs> um, and they decide it's not a bad environment. It's all cute. And then later, when they're going to bed, the two ask Toru why she still has this, like, old <sighs> baseball cap Dude, or something. This was the moment... 
like you get the first <laughs> glimpse of this kid you're just like it's fucking yuki okay <laughs> let's just stop this now we've all seen this a hundred times in anime okay <laughs> i also well, thought it was yuki but who knows well, okay it could be yuki or it could be kyo it's it, a shadowed figure yeah it's yuki's because, haircut yeah. so much though it's it's the thing they do in every harem show where they're like because you met this mysterious person when you were five you have to marry them if you ever meet them again because apparently that's the way well, the universe what, what works. Just aired the and quintessential, quintessential yeah, they did the same thing yeah. in that. They did yeah. the same. And I feel thing. like uh, Nisekoi kind of killed this trope because, like, they did it and then they overdid it and overdid it, like, as a means of just like poking fun at how stupid it is. Uh, and I think that, like, after Nisekoi going back to the well with this, like. I met him as a child, and now he's. I love him. And that that trope is just dead. Like you can't do it anymore. <laughs> so I'm imagining that in Japan, if you come across someone and you both determine you met as children, like a siren goes off, <laughs> yeah. and police officers run from buildings and like cuff you together, and are like, "You have to be married now." Like, is that what happens in Japan? Where the fuck well, is this coming from? Well, they gotta make babies somehow. I mean, they're getting desperate over there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, so they do this bullshit where Toru, you know, was young or whatever, and she was lost, and someone helped her home and gave her the cap. And they shadow the person out so you don't know who the fuck it is. And, like... They show Kyo listening from afar, and that's why I say I think it's Kyo, because, I mean, Yuki's not even in the room. But it could be either of them. Yeah. So, the scene that I, like, latched onto the, into this episode was, like, when Yuki's up on the roof, and he's, like, really upset about having, like, be, having to wear women's clothing and being called cute, and, like, Toru basically calms him down or tries to calm him down by explaining that she thinks being called cute is just an expression of love or affection, which is, like, yeah, of course, that's what cute means. But I think that was, like, a really overly simplistic view of, like, why cross-dressing is so often a theme in rom-com anime. Like, it's just so consistent that I think there's, like, more going on there and that... There's, like, something a bit deeper that, like, sparks happiness in people's heads when they see their favorite characters cross-dressing as, like, a woman or a man. Um, and, like, what Toru's explanation to Yuki just came off as, like, really, like, surface level. And I kind of wish naive. she Naive. Yeah, naive. I, I wish she had talked to him more about, like, being comfortable with his sexuality, despite the way he chooses to dress no matter what, because, like, he's clearly like very uncomfortable about his masculinity uh in this situation and like the way she addressed it just didn't seem like something that made any sense to me but yeah. i mean I, I guess i see with the comment from last episode where the guy was like you're a boy or whatever yeah i, I think that puts it in more context but you are forgetting become that's toru as, in a nutshell as a character <laughs> yeah it's true shallow and naive for sure yeah I don't know. But yeah, so that, that scene didn't like work so well for me. Um, but I did like, uh, where was it? It was like when Saki and the Arisa are deciding to go over to Toru's house. But then they're like, maybe we shouldn't go yet because if we go at the spur of the moment, they won't have snacks ready for us. And I was like, oh, I like <laughs> these people. <laughs> I can identify with this. So, yeah. 
Anything else before we move on? Uh, yeah, there's uh the part where Hattori is just like giving out fucking Yuki's uh oh doc patient history. Yeah, I'm like, dude, doctor and patient discretion here, dude. What the fuck? That was pretty messed up. Like in front of his entire class, he's like, well, you can't do (laughs) you can't do that, dude. That's fucked up. But yeah, that was it. That's what I took away from the episode. <laughs> that was a breach of confidence for sure. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked by looking up Godzilla memes. Do the cat talking about that? <laughs> we need. We'll, we'll have to add them to the Discord. Like the whole thing. Oh, I threw Godzilla. in one while you were chatting. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it, I thought it was. Funny. I did see that because I good. saw it on my Twitter feed. I'm like, she talks about it, and then poof, it's on the Twitter feed. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Next so. One. Yeah, JoJo. Let's go. Yeah, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5. Uh, episode 30, Green Day and, and Oasis Part 1. I changed the title so it made sense. Yeah, uh, the Crunchyroll title is so weird. <laughs> green Tea and Sanctuary? No. Yeah, Sanctuary as opposed to Oasis yeah. is, a, is a weird one. Uh, it starts off with like us learning a little bit about the relationship between Chocolata and Seko. Uh, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like how Kat is with her gimp. I mean, that's <laughs> pretty accurate. <laughs> you know, gives him treats when he's a good boy and, you know, very aggressive head pats. <laughs> oh, God. The look on that on that weird guy's face when he's going, I'm like, he wants to die. He wants to die in this moment. But anyways, Chocolata sends Seko in his stand, Oasis, to attack Bruno and his team. Inside the turtle, Narancia is recovering, and Trish is mad because Bruno acts so cold to everybody. But she wants that D. We know what's going on. Narancia guesses she just wanted him to ask her if she was okay because she might have feelings for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They decide they need to get a car and get the heck out of the village. Bruno sends Mista up the staircase and he stays behind to guard the rear. But he kicks a beer can down the steps and when it lands at the bottom, it doesn't make any sound. He's like, what? So then he kicks another one that does the same. And then I'm like, if people get brains because then they're like, oh, shit fucked up shit's happening there's probably a stand here uh so they know it's another stand and like start rushing to the top of the whole staircase as it's like starts to sink into the ground and it's like so it's bringing them down which would trigger uh green day to kill them so uh turns out seka where that his suit that's his sand stand bit and so like that's why he's able to move fruit freely through solid objects and like make things sink into the ground the, really, the combo between these two stands is no joke. They work very well together. Unfortunately yeah. for Kat, they're not sexy enough for her. Like that no. other couple. Okay, like these fuckers are weird. They are very weird. These are some of the weirdest fucking villains I've ever seen. <laughs> I want the sexy gay couple villains back. <laughs> the guy with the long hair that's like a god. I feel like Where they the were fuck did fun. he go? Titsiano, yeah, he was fun and squallow. Yeah. That's too bad. They're gone. <laughs> it is too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mr. So he's sinking the stairs and everything else everything else. And Mr. manages to like shoot a sign over and hoist him and Bruno up into the parking lot. And up there they find a dead man and his car keys in his hand. Which was kind of the plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. They run across the parking lot as the ground like starts to uh sink them in and Mr. decides he is going to try and shoot the stand as it pulls him under uh, it goes to grab him he fires 
he first fires three bullets that ricochet off the hard pavement, and then he waits to be pulled under. As soon as he starts to go down, he shoots at the stand user who reflects it right back at Mista. This is just ice guy all over again, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the three bullets that Mista shot earlier curve back and try to hit Oasis, but he's too quick and disappears back underground and goes. And then he starts going after Bruno. So Oasis is a very uh, melee type. And super, super fast. Like one of the very fast stands, it seems. Uh, yeah. Bruno then leaves the turtle on top of the car and like runs to a ledge and jumps over. And then like as he's like falling down the side, Seko has to stick his head out of the wall to see where he is. And Bruno like then uses his stand to just punch that absolute shit out of him. It's basically the first or, or, or we've gotten so far for this one. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after getting the shit punched out of him, Seko retreats back into the wall and calls... Uh, Chocolata, I don't care how I say it anymore, to ask if Notorious, because he, he's, go, almost sounds like he's going on this rant, but he's going somewhere with this. He asked if Notorious B.I.G. was alive or dead, and if his mold would grow on him. Chocolato doesn't know, and Seko is asking because for some reason no mold would grow on Bruno when he jumped down the ledge. Uh, then they suddenly see a car leaving the village and are kind of worried about what happened. How did he survive that? Cat, you had a little mmm going on there. What, what's going on? <laughs> I'm really pissed about this next part. Oh, That's really? Why. Really? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, in the car, Mr. Surprise Bruno survived and asked if he hung onto the wall or something. Bruno just stays like very and ominously quiet. And Jordan's like, hey, you just take, take a nap there, Mr. Uh, after a moment, <laughs> Jordan notices there's like basically just a rather large chunk of flesh missing from Bruno's wrist. <laughs> like Bruno looks at it and says, he might not have much time left because he can barely feel anything left in his body anymore. He's like, he's losing all feelings or something. Um, but then Jorna also checks his cold skin and like finds no pulse. They've, which we pretty much thought of back when it happened. Yeah. They deduce that goal experience must have only given him some life when he maybe died saving Trish from the boss in Venice. Remember we were like, mm-hmm. yeah, cause there was a weird thing going on between uh, gold King experience. Crimson. Uh, yeah. uh, well, that we thought that he was like some kind of zombie, but we didn't know what exactly was going. We thought on. Yeah, it was like something like- between yeah, King Crimson and Gold Experiences, both abilities activating at the same time, which put Bruno in some type of weird limbo. Yeah, like the time where his body died was erased, so maybe he doesn't remember having died, and then Gold Experience like sort of gave him some life, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it it still makes more sense than how the. Uh, arrow works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, but they don't explain it that well. No, they're no. like, yeah, you're. I'm a zombie. Well, because they don't know, and they don't. They don't know the answer they themselves. Don't really explain it. I demand. Okay, this has been going on for a long fucking time now. <laughs> and if they're gonna bring it up, I demand more of an explanation than this bullshit. But uh, we won't be able to get a real explanation until they get back to King Crimson. And he he's the only one who could probably ex- piece it together. Maybe explain it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think. I'm like you. You don't get to just bring it up and be like, oh yeah, like I'm kind of a zombie, and then move on. <laughs> well, no, they move on because suddenly a helicopter comes flying over them and drops a spore-infested body on the car. To me, that's a pretty good uh, conversation <laughs> stopper. Okay, but also this whole scene. There's fucking people dying all over Rome. It's like <laughs> yeah. a zombie apocalypse is occurring. 
I don't see any SWAT teams. <laughs> I don't see people rushing into the city. You know that people would be all over the place if I mean, something like this was happening in this huge city like Rome. Romans are pretty laid back, you know. I mean, they're probably just enjoying some pizza, <laughs> some pasta la michichiana, you know, oh a little God. vino in their villas. Yeah, they're fine. They're all just like, oh, yeah, people are dying. You don't have time to dial the phone when wine? your body's melting. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, you know some shit would be going down. People would be freaking out. Nobody would honestly really know unless they were Skyping with somebody else and they're like, why are you melting? <laughs> I guarantee somebody would be Skyping or some, you know, with technology the way it is. Ooh, what, People wait, would what, know. Ooh, do we know what time period this was set in? Uh, I feel like I, I should actually. know this. Yeah. That might explain it a little bit. But anyways, yeah. the car crashes, they get out safely. And then the spores are now just raining down on Rome and killing tons of people. Mr. tries to shoot the helicopter, but Seco like deflects the bullets because we know he can. And then drops to the ground and like starts going towards them. And the helicopter is actually getting too far away to shoot. And Giorno tells uh, Mr. to try anyways and like helps him fire the gun. The bullets careen into like the side of a building. And basically, Giorno used his... Uh, abilities to turn the bullets into like a tree so this tree grows out and grabs the helicopter and then mr and giorno go to like take out take the car get out of the car and they go up to the helicopter and bruno stays behind to deal with seco so that's how that episode ends hmm. um yep. i like oh the hand on the hip scene are uh, we gonna talk about it sure yeah uh, which part was that i don't remember it this is the very end it's like the sexy like giorno goes up to isn't it mista I think so, yes. And he's like, yeah, let me let me just slide my hand just down onto the curve of your hips <laughs> and just pull you so close so that we can shoot this together. Oh, yeah. I guess that did happen. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I can see why Leo didn't notice that as much as Kat did. <laughs> Kat probably rewatched uh, it a couple times. I did. See? Uh, I really liked... There was one moment earlier in the episode where Chocolata is just like flinging these sugar cubes at Seko, who's like catching them. And like it just reminded me of Kobayashi's uh, Dragon Maid, where she's like, she's, like you know, it's flicking the sugar cubes at Kana or whatever. And she's like nomming on them that like, you know, that gift got passed around forever that season. <laughs> uh, this is a similar, very, yeah. very similar thing happening. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, I had a horrible joke about Oasis and Wonderwall, but let's just skip that for everybody's sake. Yes, I, think. I wrote cringe, and I'm like, no, don't do that. He's <laughs> like, when his head was sticking through that wall, I was like, oh, it's a Wonderwall. <laughs> no. Anyway, let's no. move on. Demon Slayer, Kometsu no Yaiba, episode six, uh, Swordsman Accompanying a Demon. So, uh, Tanjiro has an official Demon Slayer Corps uniform now. It even says yeah. destroy on the back of it in this black shirt. Uh, Nezuko is so impressed she even peeks out from under her sleeping bag. Oh my god, she's so cute. Um, Hirokodaki explains that the uniform is specially made so it repels water, fire, and low-level demons are going to have like trouble clawing through it, so it's pretty tough. And the swords, the Nichirin swords, come in different colors. Uh, but the black sword that Tandro obtained is rare, so not much is known about its properties. But it's thought that people with black swords will never really amount to much. Mostly because, like, the people who've had black swords in the past, I guess, 
haven't made much of themselves. So yeah, it's a bad omen. and I don't think they ever made it really far because they didn't know how to use the black stores properly. Probably, yeah. That make that would make sense. I um, mean, how how would you feel though if you're just given this thing and then you're like, well, you're probably doomed now. It's like, know. sorry, but you're actually shit tier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to tell you this, but you suck. <laughs> yeah. it's like a terrible weapon drop in like destiny or something <laughs> it's just like oh, like, oh damn but it. no take backsies you're kind of stuck with it yeah so. but wait is it like the color it turns like a reflection of your inner soul or some bullshit so imagine being told yeah your soul is shit tier <laughs> your soul is black and dark and an endless void of nothingness <sighs> So yeah, we'll we'll find out. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he's going to be the one of the first black swordsmen to do very well. So, um, but yeah, finally, Orokodaki made a backpack for Tandro out of this really light wood, so that he can carry Nezuko around wherever they go inside this little box. Um, and so, Orokodaki pats Tandro on the shoulders and like sends him on his way, and he heads to a town to the northwest, and he immediately runs into this like haggard-looking man on the street whose name was Kazumi. And Tanjiro kind of overhears these girls that have, or he overhears a conversation that these girls have been abducted at night recently. And he asks Kazumi, like, hey, tell me your story. What's going on? And so his wife, Satoko, was taken. And, Isn't this fiance? Uh, possibly. It might be fiance. I thought it was wife. Yeah, because it, like, sure. it shows they're walking. I guess he was walking her home to her parents' house. Uh-huh. And it just shows like his her parents being like, how could you have had this happen? Yeah. And so, like, Tandra, like, is barely able to sort of sniff out the scent of the demons who he thinks are responsible. Um, and, yeah, like, Kazumi's face is all bruised. And it's because, like, her, like yeah, the fiance's, like, parents, like, beat the crap out of him why for, like, guys, letting this happen. Why do you think there was they were engaged? To me, they just look like two young couple who just like went on a date, or or he was escorting her from okay, basket weaving class or something. Peri- this is the Taisho period. If you want to like hold hands with a girl, you're gonna fucking marry her. Well, yeah, I thought they were actually married <laughs> already, though, but I don't know. I, like, it, I'm deferring to Cap because my memory is not so great. So I don't I'm pretty know. sure it's just because like that's the way marriage worked back in the day. It was like, oh, you you want you want to date her? Well, you have to marry her first, yeah, <laughs> and hope it works out. And fuck if it doesn't, because you're stuck now <laughs> yeah, for pretty much. So yeah, ta- aren't you glad ta- that yeah. that's not the way it is anymore? <laughs> yeah. Tandra sniffs around town like a little bloodhound and he detects like a new scent. And uh, so we see a, a young woman being followed around her Japanese style house by a black puddle on the ground that like moves behind her along the floor. And she like climbs into bed and in like a horror movie, the puddle like expands underneath her bed and then like demon hands like reach out from either side of her pillow and grab her face and like pull her below the surface. Which is pretty scary. Um, yeah. And so at this moment, the scent of the demon strengthens and Tandro starts running towards it. And Tandro can also apparently jump like 50 feet in the air now, <laughs> which is like, I guess he trained a lot, but it paid off more than I thought. Hey, He's like, Jesus. He, he could split a boulder. Might as well. <laughs> I guess. Um, and so he unsheathes his sword and we actually get like this first person POV shot of him looking along the street for any sign of the demon. And I actually thought, like, for once, a POV shot kind of worked well uh, and wasn't completely out of place, like, in, like, Promised Neverland or something. Those Um, were some bad ones in that show. (laughs) Yeah. 
And so he ends up stabbing the ground where the scent is really strong. And the girl who was taken, like, he gets, like, a piece of her, like, her shirt or whatever. And, like, she floats to the surface. And he's able to take her from the startled demon. And so Orokodaki had warned Tanjiro that demons like this one use a spell called Blood Demon Art. Um, And so Tanjiro tries to ask this, like, morphed demon, he calls it, for the whereabouts of the other vanished girls. But, like... Oh my god, the demon just makes the most annoying fucking sound <laughs> ever, grinding its teeth together. It is like, tell me you guys didn't oh, like, re- like take your headphones off when the sound started. I was like, please someone kill that one first, <laughs> yeah. so we don't yeah. have to listen to it It's anymore. so annoying. They like, they really went like far with like the sound design on that one. Well, and also, okay, so... Like, correct me if I'm wrong, these are like weird offshoots of his personality. Of who? Right? Tanjiro's personality? No, the uh, demon. No, of the original Oh, demon. yeah, yeah. No, they're like, it, it's a demon that has been split into like three sections, yeah. And like its and personality so it's like, yeah, what, has been divided three ways also. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, what the fuck happened to this dude that that's an offshoot of his fucking personality? <laughs> he is a demon. I mean, Jesus Christ, what happened in that, chi- in that kid's upbringing before he turned into a demon uh, a dental appointment gone very wrong <laughs> oh god <laughs> i just got Some back from the di- that didn't get i just got oh, back right. from the dentist today that's uh, awesome <laughs> oh, i should go I should. to the dentist i haven't been in a while I, I yeah you should go. yeah it's a good thing to do everybody go to your dentist he'll take care of your teeth or she will or she will yeah. um and so god and uh, so yeah yeah, the demon like goes back underground, and, and Tanjiro and Kazumi hold this unconscious girl, or, or Tanjiro has Kazumi, the like the guy, hold this unconscious girl. He's like, "Hey, here's a girl for you." <laughs> it's like, Sorry about your uh, wife, but th- th- this one's pretty. How, how about this one? She's pretty hot. <laughs> <Yeah. You know. laughs> What's she doing? She's same age. Like. <laughs> so Tanjiro like sniffs out the demon, but he's surprised when like three of them rise to the uh, the surface, and he has to jump. And he, like, changes in midair using, like, a different water-breathing form called the Waterfall Basin, which is pretty cool-looking. Also, the soundtrack blasts this, like, heroic French horn-heavy theme at this moment, which is, like, pretty fucking awesome. I'm really getting into the soundtrack of this show uh, hmm. a lot. I like it. I'm going to have to pay more attention to it. Yeah. Um, so he, he cut, manages to cut off this demon's arms. And then we flash back to Oroko Daki explaining to Tanjiro that there is only one demon in the world that has the power to turn humans into demons. So this demon was like the first ever and was born over a thousand years ago. And its name is Muzan Kibutsuji. Which also tells um, you that this is the guy that attacked his family. Exactly. So that's like going to be the ultimate big bad, probably. But like how... I guess it makes sense because otherwise there'd be so many demons everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like... Well, Why is he the only one? Yeah. Why would he continue to make more and more? Because it's just going to make it more conspicuous. Uh, maybe he wants demons to take over the world. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it's something the show would tell us later on. Probably. Uh, well, also, that, you know I'm wondering in my head. I can't just wonder. It's my... Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I wonder, too. And I wondered about his silhouette, because his silhouette looks like, I don't know, like Michael Jackson or something, or like Edmund Dante's oh, yeah. from Fate Grand Order, like like with that hat and everything. So I'm like, I'm he, curious. He looks like he's going to start moonwalking. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So back in real time, uh, Tanjiro continues to slice up these demons, but his attacks are like too shallow. 
And one of the demons stops like a short distance away and yells for Tandro to back off. And he says, like, the girl Kazumi's holding, she's 16 years old already. She's getting, like, way over the hill. I'm doing you a favor killing this old bitch. (laughs) He's like, she's going to get stale. And I'm like, holy shit. So have you guys heard the the Japanese saying, like, women are Christmas cakes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is, like, taking that to a whole new level. Like post twenty five Christmas cake. Yeah. yeah so so it you know the twenty fifth is Christmas. So the joke is like women over twenty five like they're getting stale. You can't <laughs> you know too too old. Which is so but like so Jesus, you're taking a whole decade off that at this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, this guy's like I've already feasted on many sixteen year old girls like. Because, like, yeah, actually, it's, like, one aspect of the demon's personality is trying to calm the other bloodthirsty one down, being like, hey, we've already eaten a lot of 16-year-olds, bro. Like, we could, like, calm down for a bit and be fine. (laughs) Um, And so Cosme Cosme begs the demons to return Satoko to them. Like, but they don't know the girls by name. So, like, one of the demons just, like, opens up his, like, cloak to reveal a bunch of, like, hairpins he's taken as, like, trophies of all the girls he's killed. And Satoko's red hair ribbon is, like, hanging prominently among them. And so they know that she's dead. And so the demons attack again. Tandro fends them off with some pretty dank backflips and, like, slashes. Um, Mm. And then Nezuko also wakes up from her backpack nap. (laughs) And she's pissed. backpack nap? Yeah, she's just napping in the backpack. Uh, It would not be a comfortable nap. (laughs) Well, she makes herself smaller. I think she, like, literally, like, shrinks herself down. When she goes in there. So I think she's fine. It's like I dream of Jeannie. Like she's like inside the little lamp and she's just chilling. <laughs> Maybe. So the, the demons back off for a second when they see Tanjiro's fighting with like a demon on his side. I, I really like how they have the main character fighting alongside like another character, you know? Yeah. It's not yeah. all about him. That's kind of cool. It's different. It's like it it's annoying that she's in his backpack half the time. But yes, <laughs> I agree. Like when she's out, it, I'm like pretty hyped. Um and so Nezuko approaches Cosme and the girl and holds her hands to their faces. And she kind of imagines that they're like Tanjiro and her little sister for a moment. And Tanjiro remembers then that Urokodaki told him that he had used hypnotic suggestion on Nezuko to make her believe that all humans are her family and that demons are the enemy. <laughs> so he basically hypnotized Nezuko into being like normal again, which just begs the question like, does Nezuko even need to wear that like like thing that she wears, like the muzzle on her mouth? <laughs> like if she if she's been hypnotized, I don't know if she does. The bamboo but. gag. <laughs> yeah, and then like the episode ends with like Nezuko like running up to one of the demons and like axe kicking it in the face, you know, which is cool. <laughs> she's got a vicious kick, dude. Yeah, yeah that was a pretty she nasty does. kick. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I was kind of I was I guess I was kind of annoyed at like the hypnosis thing because it's just like. Oh, that seems like too simple. Like I like. Well, it also seems like yeah. now she's basically not herself, and that's kind yeah. of shitty. I I liked her as herself because it was more complex. Where it seemed like she had these moments where she wanted to defend her brother, uh, and that broke through like the whatever was in her bloodstream, the demonization the demon or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so that was kind of more interesting. Now that she's just hypnotized, I. I'm, Maybe I'm I'm guessing that somebody maybe that like big bad guy will like break the hypnotization, uh, and mm-hmm. that'll be more interesting again. But we'll see. Hmm. Yeah, 
I also was struck throughout this. I know he's had those earrings the whole fucking time, but like, how how is this guy fighting these dramatic fights where he's flipping in the air and shit with these big ass earrings? <laughs> like, I can't stand to wear these little tiny earrings because they annoy me when they move my I move my head and shit. I mean, he's got these huge dangly things. <laughs> Look, he's he's learned uh, <laughs> how to I deal don't know. with this. That's bizarre to me. It's true. He is flipping around with with those. <laughs> I, I can tell you, those are annoying as fuck. Like a, a breeze comes and you're like shit, and it's like getting tangled in things. I, I don't know. That's Some, seems sketch to me. Something tells me like the person who wrote this <laughs> never ever thought about that once. Probably, Probably. not. <laughs> So yeah, no, that's that's interesting though. That's that's a good point. Uh, so uh, speaking of cool stuff and flipping around and killing shit, Dora. Yeah. Okay. I get the shark episode. <laughs> good for you. Da, 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 da. Okay. So episode eighteen, the story of Cape Impermanence. That was like a okay. interesting title. <laughs> it's just like the Cape yeah. of Impermanence. Okay. It's like, okay. Uh, Well, okay, so the episode starts where it ended two weeks ago. So I'm really not sure why they chose to have that random episode in the between this arc. I think it was just a matter of, like, timing. Because, like, we had to see what Hyakimaru was up to in between before he could come back and join up with Dororo. So I guess that makes sense. It also explains why his fucking brother shows up, too. That's true, I yeah. Guess. So it, it sets up it every all the pieces Tahomaru? to be in the same place. Is that what it was? Yeah. Tahomaru, yeah. I just I just yeah. remember the truck but, thing you had to tell Cat. <laughs> like, Chevy Tahomaru. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like a rock. Uh, okay, so Shark Dude. I'm going to call him Shark Dude because like... That's fine. We know who you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, it's a shame because that, that guy was actually hot before he turned crazy. <laughs> I don't know. He had a cool shark haircut. I liked that. He did. I, I felt like he should have jumped out of the bushes and been like, shark bait, hoo-ha-ha. But <laughs> that would have been dumb. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the drummer from Death Offords only got one arm. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Uh, so shark dude is left all beat up and screaming by the like gang of, you know, robber guys. And the dead shark is in the water all like, and being weird. And they're screaming at each other, and they're both like sad that the other shark is dead. And then all of a sudden, the one in the water is like, eyes get all red and weird, and it's like having a fit. And I don't know, this at this point, I was wondering to myself, like, what is going on with this shark guy's psych? Because... He crawls to the dead shark and he's like, How much it must have hurt you? And like, it was terrible. But like, this dude killed an entire village <laughs> and fed them to his sharks. And <laughs> like, what do you mean it must have hurt? And he's been like <laughs> eating people allegedly too. Because I mean, like, the sharks are like bringing him body parts last episode, that other episode. Oh, I so- forgot about that. So yeah, I yeah, mean, he, yeah, he's got some shit going on himself. So he, he's judging he's got a little some, bit. Like compartmentalization <laughs> happening here. <Yeah. laughs> he's like the hurt done to me and my family is terrible, but the things I've done to other people, well, 
<laughs> We're going to forget about that for now, uh, which is interesting. And I think it's interesting because of what happens later in the episode as well. So I'll come back to that. Um, so the surviving shark pulls itself like onto the shore and starts eating the fucking dead shark. Well, the shark guy encourages him. And this is so bizarre. Like, this seems to turn the living shark into this weird, like, white... Demon shark. Like, yes, frog for sure. thing. It's frog not really thing. even a demon shark because, like, the legs come out of it and they look like frog legs. It's like a weird demon, like, shark-frog hybrid that is white and weird. Frog shark. <laughs> frog shark tune yeah. in next week so. for the adventures of frog shark <laughs> <laughs> he's half frog that's something half that shark. should never exist <laughs> if they make that in a lab somewhere like the whole lab needs to be burned to the ground <laughs> um, but yeah the hybrid shark frog thingy starts crawling around eating trees and shit and I'm like why like what oh holy shit frog shark is actually a thing what? <laughs> the well, frog oh, no. shark is a very rare species of shark mainly found in deep water. It is in the sleeper shark family with the Greenland shark. Oh, no, God. you need to show us pictures of this shit now. Well, I'm assuming it doesn't have like frog legs. It's not like a weird amphibian <laughs> Why mix. Why they call it frog shark? You know, the people are crazy. <laughs> no, no, I'm looking this up. You Google image okay. search and you give a bunch of frogs with shark teeth. <laughs> Okay, where the fuck is a real thing? <laughs> Leo, you brought this up. You better fucking find a picture of this. It honestly, it, it just it honestly just looks like any other shark you've seen before, for the most part. Oh, it doesn't have legs. Nah, or it's anything? nothing special looking. I was so excited, and then you disappointed me. Yeah. It's an ugly son of a bitch, is what it is. Yeah, it's oh. not All pretty. All sharks are ugly son of a bitches. <laughs> I think we got distracted there. <laughs> We're going to have like an angry email come in. Sharks are beautiful creatures and they deserve your love and respect. At least if you get an email from viewers. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> God damn. Okay, so at this part, at this point, um, it likes the weird shark thing, the weird frog shark almost eats Dororo. And is like going nuts eating weird shit. And Hyakimaru shows up. And Hyakimaru is like, all right, I'm going to take this shark frog thing down. And it's like thrashing around. And Hyakimaru is kind of like just hanging on for a while. Um, and then the shark guy goes up to them to help the shark. And the shark hits it with its fucking tail and takes it out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he like, like, forget, like, like throws him like 50 feet. Yeah, <laughs> he goes back pretty yeah, far. Yeah, it was not a love tap. It was like a I don't give a fuck thing. But yeah, uh, Hyakimaru um, and Doro reunite after he finally manages to kill a shark. And it's very cute because Hyakimaru kind of grabs Doro and holds him and their heads touch and he like rubs. It reminded me of the Sasuke touch, except like with their heads touching instead of the head flick thing. I see. Okay. Yeah, it was a cute moment. Yeah. It was nice. It was cute. It was, it was like they rubbed their heads together and he's like, I miss, I came for you. And, and Dora, you know, Kyakimaru never says anything. So it's very cute. Mm -hmm. um, 
And meanwhile, Shark Guy is incredulous that Hyakimaru did all that, like killed that shark frog demon thing just so his leg could grow back. And, it, and he thinks of it as like, it's a lot of hardship and this, this really valuable thing that he sacrificed, i.e. the life of the shark frog thing, just so that he could have this small gain of his leg back. And it seems incredibly wasteful to, to the shark guy. <laughs> Which is interesting to us, because it, obviously it's like a perspective thing, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, meanwhile, the bandits, they're like, all right, we're, we're at the cave, we're going to go in, we're going to get this shit. But they don't realize that there are traps in the cave. <laughs> so immediately, like, several of them are killed in an explosion, and it's clear that the treasure isn't going to be easy to get. Um. And then it's Tahomaru. Yeah. I, I always just say Hyakimaru's brother. Yeah. Tahomaru has come to the island with a small army in pursuit of Hyakimaru. And he's like, all right, guys, we're here. We're going to kill these son of a bitches. Everyone go. Just kill everyone you find. Let's just get this over with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hyakimaru and Doro meet up with the bandits who have already <laughs> been like attacked by Tahomaru's men. So. Everyone's kind of like, well, we got to work together right now. Um, and Doro, men- or actually, isn't it Hyakimaru that kind of says, like, we yeah. can all go boom. Yep. And it, it, the leader seems to kind of get that. And he dressed, they dress up a bandit in samurai gear and have him act hurt and claim the bandits have explosives. And they have one of the traps go off in the cave. So, like, a bunch of shoulders, soldiers rush into the cave. And then the bandits and Dororo and Hyakimaru all take that moment when they're all rushing in there to escape. So they basically create a diversion. Smart. How, however, Tahomaru isn't fooled and is waiting for him, along with his two close aides. And as Hyakimaru kind of runs to fight Tahomaru, the aide like, makes the ground collapse, and he almost kills Hyakimaru. Mm-hmm. Um, and he manages to get back up and fight. But he's basically fighting three people at once. So that kind of sucks for him. Um, Meanwhile, the bandits run away and they take Doro with them. They're like, we're going. (laughs) Like, bye. (laughs) Uh, They do get some distance away, but are attacked again. And like, there's this line of Buddhist statues. And Doro like leans up against one somehow. And all of the others magically fall over. But I mean, like, (laughs) like in a domino effect. I think it was a trap, though, because, like, it was one of the clues on the map. And that, like, because, like, that's where the uh, Itachi or whatever his name was sitting was, like, by that, like, third Buddha statue. And that's, like, the one that Doru knocked over. And it just, like, caused all the others to, like, slide down the side of the mountain or whatever. So I guess it was, like, maybe I guess they foreshadowed that it might have at least been a trap of some kind. Yeah, it just seemed like a weird way for it to trigger. Like, I don't know how they would make it do that every time yeah it's kind of weird maybe they were tied together with a rope or something but it didn't show that yeah so i don't know yeah but anyway so they're like oh look at that it it like magically did that but this enables doro to get away with the head bandit who's mortally wounded uh hyakimaru is still fighting with his brother 
and the aides, and the girl aide like hits an arrow into his back from the other side of a yeah, tree. Yeah, it goes right through the tree. <laughs> yeah, there's like a How little strong. There's a little knot. You have to be. Which, no, there was like a hole in the tree. No, there was a knot right through a hole. No, there was a knot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a knot. Like I a, thought a knot. it was they, they just said like, it was a knot, so which strong. doesn't make sense because knots are harder than the fucking tree. Yeah, so it would have actually been still. I'm so strong, I can fire an arrow through a fucking tree. No, no, there was a there was a hole in the knot though that, that she shot it through. But there's never like a hollow hole in a knot of a tree. Yeah, like, there know. may be a knot, but it's not going to go all the way through. That's true. Well, it was a great fucking shot. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Did you ever think in podcasting we would get to the point where we're debating about the knot of a tree trunk? I think she's done a lot worse than this. <laughs> God, I like how we always manage to like come out on three sides of the same fucking issue too. Oh, I know, and it's always some I'd stupid lo- thing like a tree knot. <laughs> we're sitting here like, no, you don't get it. It would be harder. We're like fighting. God damn it. <sighs> Oh my god! So, but yeah, they they're they're still fighting. Meanwhile, the shark guy he makes this threat where he's like, "Don't worry, dead demon frog shark, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you to the great beyond. But like, first, I'm gonna bring you all these really valuable presents and gifts. And so you think he's talking about the treasure, because that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So. He goes to find the explosives, goes up to the top of the mountain, lights all the explosives, causes causes this huge like avalanche thing. Landslide. This Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> it's a a bunch of rocks are going Get your everywhere. Terminology okay? right, Kat. Well, like I I also I okay, here's another example of us like disagreeing about stupid shit. So I also like was like, oh, it's kind of like a landslide, but then I was like, oh, it's not really a landslide. It's like more like an avalanche, and th- and then then I was like, but it's also half of an explosion. So like, I don't even know what to call this. It's like three <laughs> things at once, honestly. He, he introduces chaos. Yes, there's things flying everywhere. This interrupts everything. Yakimaru and Tahomaru are like, oh well, I guess we can't fight while the world falls apart. We better do something. They separate to get away. Most of the soldiers get killed, and Doro and the main bandit make it to the treasure cave. And the bandit leader, like, begs Doro to let him see it before he dies because he's, like, mortally injured. And he's so consumed. And, like, once he sees the treasure, he's so happy and at peace. And then he just dies immediately. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting that the bandit king and Hyakimaru clearly see, like, human life as something secondary to other more valuable things. Mm-hmm. But this is, like... Not the way the shark guy sees it, because he basically thought the lives of all those people were much more important than the treasure. Yeah. Because that's what he chose to take with him when he died. Yeah. That's the more valuable thing. So, I don't know. It's very philosophical and interesting in that way. This whole show is just based on, I feel like, it's weird commentary on Buddhist beliefs in a way. Yeah. So, that's an example of that. Um, but yeah, Tahomaro's male aide, whose name is like Yogo or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he dies from his injuries. Oh fuck! No cat, stop, stop! <laughs> ah! My cat just fell and like instead of falling gracefully, he grabbed onto my leg, like you know, Sim- like Simba's father. Yeah, in that 
avalanche thing. Okay, it's Mufasa. not. I just watched that scene again. It's not clear if Hyogo's dead or not. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't sure if he was dead or not either. He I just, just was like very badly injured. At yeah, least, they're, so. they're like nudging yeah. him, saying his name, and then just cuts away, and that's it. So it's like, is he just badly injured or not? So we don't know. I think he died. He, it looked like he died. It's close, at least. He he may have died. I wouldn't be surprised. Another if example of us disagreeing. <laughs> well, it's, it's it is left like it's like left slightly because you know on screen deaths in anime are always bullshit. So you never know. Okay, um, he's literally laying on his true. back. You can't tell if he's breathing. You can't tell anything. His eyes are closed. And Tahumaru like nudges him with his hand and says his name twice, and it cuts away. It doesn't. That doesn't tell you shit if he's dead or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a minor character. Yeah, he's fairly it's minor. It's probably just so that Tahumaru is upset. So that makes me think they probably kill him off because that would make him the most upset. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. But anyway, he dies. Doro Maybe. and Yakimaru get or Or whatever the <laughs> fuck. He's hurt. He's in limbo. Something he's neither happened. dead nor alive. He's a Schrodinger cat or whatever. <laughs> Until next episode. Doro and Yakimaru get the fuck away. They leave most of the treasure because Doro doesn't feel right about taking it or some some moral well, bullshit that she, doesn't make sense. She doesn't know what to do with it yet. She's like, I'll come back for this when I have an idea of what I really want to do with it. But then, yeah, she takes like a few coins. She's like, I, we could use these. Yeah, though. she's like, just a little to get by. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you should have just taken as much as you could because that's practical. But whatever. Um, and it's all supposed to be very like commentary on like material things not being as important as life and blah blah which has probably got merit but also in reality material things matter somewhat which is like yeah i'm i was glad when doro took those few coins because i knew cat would have like lost her shit if they had just left <laughs> yeah. all of that gold there yeah. i would have whooped her i would have been like doro <laughs> you stupid cunt <laughs> Um. Yeah. Th- so this was a uh, this is like one of the more action packed episodes I thought uh, with like some really nice animation. Finally, they brought back like in particular like Kyakimaro fighting against Tawamaro and Hyogo. Like for the most part, looked pretty awesome. Um, and like there was one cut where Kyakimaro was like slicing some arrows out of the air to protect himself from the soldiers. That looked great. And then like when he locked katanas with Tawamaro. That was also like pretty great. I was like really glad to see that this show was finally showing that like Mappa is capable of animating shit when they try, and you know, so it looked great. Yeah. Yeah. I just like that they made it kind of philosophical because I enjoy the that kind of commentary, and I think it makes shows more deep and less like just surface based. Yeah. Um. So that it was a really good show or episode for me for that reason. And the, yeah, the last thing I noticed is Shogo, uh, the guy who we, we don't know if he's dead or alive. Uh, his weapon, his like giant weapon, was like glowing blue when uh, we were looking through Hyakimaru's eyes. So I was like, huh, I don't know what blue glow means. But I was like, maybe it's like divinely blessed, like this weapon or something. It was kind of cool. That's the same thing I thought. And yeah, he was able to like break through one of Hyakimaru's katanas with it, like chopping it right off. So. That's pretty well, cool. It is a giant mace blunt weapon, so that's not too surprising. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we've reached uh, the halfway point. Should we break for a few minutes? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll take a break. We'll see you in a few. Woo. All right, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm JD, your host of the Red Leaf Retrocast, your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. 
Our podcast has four shows for you to listen to between retro gaming, modern gaming, anime, and even wrestling. The Retro Gaming Cast covers discussion topics, and each episode we discuss retro games picked based on a decided theme for that episode, ranging from space all the way to console specials like the old handheld Game Boy. Our Modern Gaming Cast is monthly and covers video game titles that were released in that previous month. Each anime cast, we focus to review a retro anime each and every episode, like the original Mobile Suit Gundam to the racing hit Initial D. But that's not all. We also keep up with the seasonal shows, by occasionally doing impressions and reviews as well. Finally, our last show is about wrestling, where we keep the rising indie scene up to date, while also covering shows from the bigger promotions like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and WWE, so we cover it all. We also cover a retired wrestler every episode in what we call the Wrestler Spotlight and are currently on a quest covering old WCW Thunder episodes from the late 90s. Every cast. So if any one of those casts sound like something you'd like to check out, that's the Red Leaf Retrocast Gaming, Anime, and Wrestling found at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting sites. Also, you can learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. We can't wait to see you soon. The following is an extract from Reanimator Pod episode 47, Blood, Blood, Blood. Taka discusses Des Irae. Most of the characters in the show, particularly the villains, have more than one name, like many more than one. For example, the super powerful mage from my synopsis is Carl Kraft, also known as Mercurius, also known as Faust, also known as St. Germain, also known as Paracelsus, also known as Cagliostro, also known as Capophilia Smudge. <laughs> okay, that last one is a reanimator special, but the rest are all legit. Like, he actually has those names. How about a few more? He's got more names? No, no, they're other oh. characters. He actually had that many names, though. Wilhelm Ehrenberg is Kazikli Bay, because why not? Valeria Trifa is Christoph Lohengrin, who's a priest and is commonly referred to as Father. Lord Heydrich is also Reinhard. And Teresia is Rhea, but Fujiren, aka Zarahustra, is our main character and also refers to Rhea as Senpai. So we never really learn her name until other characters start calling her Rhea. But really, her name's Teresia, so I don't really know how that adds up. <sighs> and if you like that and you want to hear more from the Reanimator Pod, head on over to reanimatorpod.com. That's R E Anime. T-O-R-Pod.com. New episodes are out every Monday. And we're back with Attack on Titan Season 3. Part 2. <laughs> well, I mean, Which is, it's really Season 4. Yes, we do. Yeah, we make this joke every time. Honestly, we should keep doing it every single episode. <laughs> just, just watch just, the viewers <laughs> just get more and more angry. By the end of it, you're like, we fucking know! <laughs> it's actually a prequel to season four, but not season three. That's no, what it you're is. not wow. allowed to say that shit. No, no. Oh, we're gonna call it season three and a half. It's a short OVA series that takes place oh, between season three and four. <laughs> uh, okay, so episode fifty-three, baseball game between the Titans and the Scouts. Uh, It's called Perfect Game. Okay, so first of all, (laughs) does this confirm that baseball exists in the Attack on Titan universe? Or it did exist. Also, like, who are the teams? 
Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. The scouts would be so good. Holy shit, they'd be so good at baseball. It'd be ridiculous. Mikasa? Oh, man. I would love to see Mikasa just, like, knock one out of the fucking park. I want to see Titans playing baseball. <laughs> well, we we get to this episode. We just want to see them running around the bases. Let's be honest. <laughs> yes. I want to see it fall. I want to see there be, like, a stand full of regular-sized people watching the Titans. And, like, the whole stadium shaking. If you want to see a Titan play baseball, just watch Aaron Judge on the New York Yankees. It's, it's basically <laughs> the same thing. So, anyways, let's start this. Uh, Armin kind of, like, <laughs> freaks out at the beginning of this episode and tells Jean to take over for him. And they decide to hide, like, by the river. And then Jean, sa- Jean says he has no idea what to do and tells Armin they're relying on him. So, I don't... This back and forth was just weird. Uh, it's right at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, outside the wall, some of the squads move forward to clean up the rest of the small Titans. And while Levi stays behind to rest and try to figure out what the explosion was that was on the other side of the wall, we know it was the Colossal Titan. Uh, While he's standing here pondering this, he suddenly notices rocks and boulders raining down and looks up to see the Beast Titan grinding up boulders and throwing them at them. Uh, Yeah. It, lack of better words, it decimates that forward squad that went forward to kill the small Titans. Uh, but decimate really just means reduce by a tenth, and I think it's doing a lot more than that. <laughs> it is pretty much wiping that squad out. Yeah, it completely wipes it out because it only leaves Levi with the squad that was with the horses, and they retreat back to the wall and meet up with Erwin. Erwin informs them three squads got wiped out by the Beast Titans attack, and the situation inside the wall isn't doing too well either. He is currently unsure of the casu- casualties on that side yet. And it's definitely not looking good for them because it is all new recruits, which is like Levi and Erwin, the only veterans left. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So back inside the wall with Aaron tries to grab the Colossal Titan's attention by yelling at him to keep him from walking towards the wall. Uh, the Titan ignores, ignores him and continues to the wall. Jean quickly tells Aaron to go for his legs and to stop him. Uh, I did say Colossal Titan, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, for math, I said Armin. Uh, Aaron actually starts to push him back until the Colossal Titan decides to just punt Aaron like he's a fucking <laughs> ragdoll into the top, the literal top of the fucking wall. He's <laughs> like, like, gets like lodged into the top of the wall and he's just unconscious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, with Aaron currently out of the picture, Jean quickly says to launch an attack because the Colossal Titan doesn't know about the Thunder Spears yet. Uh, everybody distracts while Mikasa goes around his back and fires the Thunder Spears. Unfortunately, not even they are strong enough to get through the Titan's steam blast. If you remember when he did this from whatever episode that was, but that was last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikasa also take, takes like a bit of shrapnel to the arm and they regroup with Armin, who still has no idea what to do. And just to make matters worse, they see that the godforsaken armor titan has recovered and is walking towards it. <laughs> I was just like, why? This fucker has taken so much goddamn damage. Why is he still alive? Also, He's basically immortal at this point. Like, yeah. Jesus. And when you see his face that has been, like, healing, it doesn't look like Mars Attacks anymore, but it just looks like a Blaine uh, or, like, a blank, like, uh, burn victims type of face or something. It's very weird. <laughs> It kind of made me think of the Andros at the end of uh, Star Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so back to Levi and the gang. And Levi thinks they should retreat and suggest to Erwin that they have people scatter on horses. 
along with Orwin and some of the others, escape, riding Aaron, and says, as long as you two make it back, there's still hope. Referring to him and uh, Erwin. No, I mean, Erwin and Aaron. Blech. Pulling a cat with Armin and Erwin. <laughs> uh, he also not s- so easy to say his yeah, name, is it, Fabulio? Not so easy, is it? <laughs> I get uh. tongue-tied. I don't know how many people I've said this whole episode. Uh, <laughs> he also says he'll be going after the Beast Titan to try and get him. And the whole time, one of the new crea- recruits is just like having this complete fucking meltdown. He's like, those were like, veterans. Did you see how easily that ki- they got killed? This is, we have no state of chance. Ah. I mean, it makes sense, though. Like, this guy's like a yeah. new recruit. And you know you what? Know. I'm making fun of him, but I also don't blame him because this looks like a very you're not going to live situation. This is a bad situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, Levi believes they should take the loss and retreat. Erwin then cryptically says, but what if we had a way to counterattack? And Tree, Levi's like, just spit it out, old man. Yeah. Uh, but we go back to Erwin. I'm, I'm sorry, not Erwin. We're still here. Erwin says it will yeah. be the cost at his life and new recruits. He also says it will take a lot of lying and a good con man to convince him, basically calling himself that. Uh, his biggest regret, though, is that he will never he will die never knowing what is in the fucking basement. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Look, I can I identify with that. I know. I, I think everybody... <laughs> Pictures and I'm just like every Attack on Titan fan. <laughs> <laughs> I know he said that. I, 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 I knew everybody just went, Yeah, we get that. <laughs> we went to, <laughs> we really want to know what's in that damn basement, too. <laughs> uh, but it's okay though, because Levi has a pep talk for Irwin, and I believe BCOM would like to have the honors of uh, reciting yeah. it for us. <laughs> I love this line. Like, Levi just goes, I'm making the choice. Give up on your dreams. Die. Lead the recruits <laughs> straight into hell. And I was like, holy shit, Levi. <laughs> That's pretty intense. But he's probably right that it's the, the only thing they could really do at this time. Yeah. So, yeah. So and It sucks for Erwin, though. It sucks for him. But. Yeah. Erwin gives a decent speech that gets like everybody on board to at least die while fighting. What they mm-hmm. do is break up into three units and do like a cavalry charge at the Beast Titan. Uh, they also fire off their smoke signals to partially affect the Beast Titan's accuracy. Uh, while they are charging, Levi's using his ODM gear to go across the line of Titans next to the Beast Titan and sneak up on him, which is kind of cool. Uh, the final scene is uh, is of some of the people getting destroyed by the rocks and Erwin taking one to his side and being thrown from his horse. Also, everybody has like the most panic-stricken and borderline <laughs> crazy looks on their faces. They're right towards Titans. I was like... Wow. <laughs> and all- they did a really good job <laughs> yeah. with the drawing. I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, this is serious now. We got the game face on or something. <laughs> oh, they're so just crazed looking like they're and they're just going ah! the whole fucking time. <laughs> um and I feel like yet again, like Attack on Titan stands out for its really like nuanced writing because like Erwin like says to himself, like only an expert con man could make these soldiers follow me into hell. And I, I like I really like how self-aware like the writer is about how Erwin is asking these soldiers to just go to their deaths. And it like doesn't necessarily make any judgments on whether like Erwin's choice is the right or wrong one, but it shows that it, like what it takes to get people to go to their death when they clearly know that they're gonna die and yep. get them to believe in this greater good that may or may not exist. 
And it's it's just really fantastic writing. And like a lot of series would just have Erwin just be like, oh, let's go kill the Titans. And the recruits would just be like, yay, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, Attack on Titans, like, no, they're fucking horrified and they know they're probably going to die, but they also know this is the one thing standing between them and possibly humanity surviving. So, yep. Yeah. Make the most of this awful, awful situation. Also, Beast Titan has a great arm. I think the Yankees should sign him in free agency. <laughs> they could use an extra pitcher right now. Uh, and yeah, I like his his windup. It's very unorthodox, but I think we could work with it. Uh, get a pitching coach, and uh, we'll be good. We'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> you you and making uh, baseball jokes that nobody understands. <laughs> <but> yourself. <laughs> I understand. Like he says it, and I just immediately assume the Yankees have a pitching problem right now <laughs> we do actually <laughs> the yankees do have a pitching problem and like actually the yankees are in first place but the, yeah their starting pitching is a little iffy so mm. yeah and anyway. <laughs> pans to the crowd and everyone's just yawning like scratching you could, their beards you, you could say the yankees roster has like literally been decimated cat actually like oh, a, a, fuck, a fucking tenth of their roster is on the injured list right now so yeah, yeah. You, you know oh, who okay. else probably has a really good throwing arm saitama oh uh, you oh, bet he does. <laughs> One throw! <laughs> the whole team is gone. Yeah. All right. So up next, we've got One Punch Man. Let me attempt to get my cat off my fucking shoulder. Get the fuck up! <laughs> Damn it! The cat, has been, the cat has been something before we even started recording today, guys. So <laughs> just so you know. leave me alone! I left for the weekend to go to a comedy festival and he's like, no, bitch, you left me alone all weekend. I'm glued to you. <laughs> like, oh, anyway, okay. So what did they call this episode? Let's the, see. the Monster Uprising. The Monster Uprising. Which is hilariously okay. what I called, because when I was explaining, like, this is kind of like three arcs in one. The monster uprising was what I named one of the arcs. I'm pretty sure, if I remember right. No, oh, nice. You were right on. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, as always, I'm just gonna cut it into one arc and the other arc because this back and forth it's, thing is weird. It's for the best. Yes. So, Genos just got done incinerating all those fucking monsters outside the stadium. And it's all clear, and he's like, all right, I'm needed out here. Like, let's see what I can do. Um, just as he fucking does that, a cockroach monster comes. <laughs> and I'm like, stop it! What the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Like, nobody wanted a cockroach monster. No one asked for you one. You got it. <laughs> it's right up there with pineapple, man, as things that I don't want to see. Or man in a bird suit. Well, no. This. Okay, this is what the creator loves to do. Just these crazy characters. They're going to be more get used to it. And bird guy in a suit or guy in a bird suit. He plays a bigger role later on, so you're not done with him either. <laughs> He's a fucking psychopath. I don't think all these it'll people be in this are season, weird. Though. What what would happen to you? Okay, you've just turned into a monster. You're like, what what happened? What did I become? I'm so excited. Well, you became you super the, S. We established that last episode. Well, okay, but you look. Imagine you look in the fucking mirror. You're cockroach man. What the fuck do you do? You try to kill yourself. You can't die. <laughs> 
imagine your sad existence from there. I understand why he's a villain. Just drinking cans of Raid. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying. Uh, But yeah, meanwhile, lots of heroes have a fuck ton of injuries. And that dude, Naranki's son, got kidnapped. So Jenna's continues to fight this cockroach dude that like scuttles around and every time I, I love how Genesis Genesis is like this unique gate and I'm like call it what it is <laughs> it's creepy and fucked up <laughs> <laughs> so Genos thinks to himself at one point that he has to use that even though he was against installing it and it, he like lets this shit go and it's like an adhesive he had originally designed for like speed of sonic Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's upset about having to use it because he thinks it, make, it it makes it so he has to admit that like he's weak against Speed of Sonic. And I'm like, just fucking stop being such a stuck-up asshole and just do what you got to do. But he, So he traps the cockroach guy, and he incinerates it, and you're like, awesome. Now it's finally over. But then he like turns around dramatically, and he's like, something is a-coming. And... <laughs> You never, you never find out what's a coming, but <laughs> apparently something got him. Meanwhile, Dominatrix Girl is still at her shit, and it's like fun to see her. I enjoy her. I I, I like her. She's cool. She's super. She's super ass. <laughs> super ass. Super sadistic. <laughs> um, so the the Blizzard Girl isn't doing well against her and her slaves. And like, oh, did you see that that like shot of her back? Oh yes, yeah. Where I she did. got Blizzard's the back? She, she got like, baby got back. Okay. <laughs> ooh, she got whooped. Like ooh. <laughs> so some people enjoyed that scene a little bit too. I mean, much. that's what a whip will do. Hmm. Um. But yeah, she comments that her big sister will come without like threats. And uh, apparently she feels when Blizzard is hurt, which is weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, are they psychically connected? Somehow, if, yeah, it seems well, like. If I she mean, can feel when she's hurt, that does that mean? kind of goes like, down their alley of their powers, so <laughs> it's pretty believable. Well, but like, how far does that go? So, like, can she feel when her sister is hurt, too? What, like, what if, just one can, way? can one feel if the other orgasms? That's what I was just <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Like, do you think across town she's like, "Well, my sister is fucking. She's getting I have plowed. To endure this." <laughs> I mean, like, that makes her for some good comedy because she's just like trying to like get a good night's sleep, and she's like, "Oh, come on again." <laughs> <laughs> Here at Nerd Another Nonsense, we answer the hard questions. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, and then um, basically Bl- Blizzard does pretty well. Like she whoops all the minions and. The, oh, well, actually, her sister helps, though. Tatsumaki, yeah. Yeah, and then Dominatrix Girl gets away, though. And, like, her sister basically tells Blizzard, like, listen, just get all the smaller heroes. Like, go evacuate. You're all in the way anyway. <laughs> and, of course, Blizzard is like, oh. And, like, you know that meme with Arthur like the, with his fist clenched? I feel yeah. like that's Blizzard in that. <laughs> 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 She's like, you're just in the way. And she's just like, oh. Um, I was also really laughing at um, Tatsumaki's voice because since I had just recently seen the Tanya the Evil movie, like Tanya the Evil's voice is like iconic in my head right now. Like I can't get it out of there. And so 
when Aoi Yuki, who's the voice actress for Tatsumaki, also is doing her Tatsumaki voice, I'm just hearing like Tanya the Evil, and I'm just I'm just hearing this like little German <laughs> Nazi girl like <laughs> talking to her sister, and I'm like, oh, this is awkward. It's funny. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> I love Tanya the Evil. I I think he's more of that. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to see more of that yeah, as well. I, I definitely will check out the movie whenever I can get my hands it's on a, it. You will enjoy that movie a lot. I it's demand good. the second season. I don't. I mean, I'll watch the movie, but I demand the second season. Uh, yeah, I would like to see a season. And the, the movie definitely leaves things open that that could happen eventually. So. Oh, sweet. All right. So meanwhile, in the tournament arc, which seems to be dominating over the, the hero arc at this point. Which a is little bit. Odd, yeah. A little bit of an odd choice. Um... The next fight is Suryu versus Max. Max is apparently a hero, and Suryu gets gets him pretty good right away. Like he's just no fight at all. And I think it's so Suryu is just like I wanted an easy life, and this seemed like a good choice for that. And, but like he's hot. Like I'm pretty sure there's easier ways to have an easy life than to <laughs> do this. Like all he had to do was walk in on some like really old like rich girl and be like i want you to give me money like that would be the easiest thing not this like (laughs) i don't know like there's so many other things he could have done he could have gone robbed a bank like he could have like i don't know anyway um saitama just is disguised as tronco and he isn't impressed by this um and sourface (laughs) Thinks that this is because he's an amateur and not because like he's talented and to him like he's like, oh, I could beat him easily. Um, but to be fair, like it's also kind of both because he is an amateur. So he probably also doesn't understand like how impressive that is. Uh, <laughs> uh, he and then figures the next... it out next episode, though, and it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, OK. That'll be fun. Um and the next fight is some snake bite guy who's a hero. Sneak. Well. Oh, yeah, that guy was weird. Snack. Yeah. He's snack. Snack. Oh, I know. Stop Snack. I realized halfway through the episode that his name was actually Snack, not Snake Bite. And I was like, what meme is snack. this? <laughs> I'm a snack. <laughs> it literally is a meme. It's ridiculous. Uh. And then he's he fighting against some like ponytail dude, and like Snick is like I'm concerned with Surio and upping my hero ranking, and I'm because I'm a Snick and I can't do it. I can't stop doing it. Uh, anyway, and then uh, meanwhile, a bunch of monsters, as we already know, are outside, and the management is like, oh, we should be worried. Because, like, they could attack the stadium and everyone would die. And they're getting ready to evacuate everyone. But this guy, Bakuzan, is like, no, we are not going to evacuate people that should be evacuated because it'll incite panic. So instead, he's like, we're strong in here. We'll be fine. And I'm like, this sounds like something that will go terribly wrong. Yeah, but he does kind of have a point. He's like, you know how many fighters we have in here? They're probably safer in here with us. And it's kind of like, eh, yeah, that's, I you mean, can debate that for sure. <laughs> I guess. But, and then, like, okay, at this point, they, they mentioned that this city is called City C or something. Did you just now realize this? 
Okay, yes, but imagine a world where <laughs> I don't have to imagine city... a world. I've seen one whole season of it. I'm halfway through another <laughs> no, season listen, of it. You don't bring it up very much. Okay, imagine. I've just also think about a world. read the manga, so I really okay, don't have to imagine. Fat mouth. Imagine a world Ooh, where yeah, you're a fat fucking mouth. Imagine a world. Where instead of like, yeah, I live in Indianapolis, and be like, I live in City C. <laughs> and there is there, there's heroes everywhere, and there's a hero association. Yeah, okay, I'm I really imagining this. I don't care this. about that part. I just, why, why are they? There's so a guy named Saitama in general. <laughs> why? Why did they decide that? Like, it's human nature to want to name things fancy because names because the creator is spending more time on naming every fucking character yeah, in this show. Birdman, Snack. <laughs> He's using all of his creative power to name Snack not time to name a fucking city. I'm just what saying. Should I, what I should I name this I snake-like hero? Oh, I don't know. Snack. <laughs> I, I, I vote that instead of it being the hero's name, that the city is now called Snack. Snack City. Snack City? Wait, if you say Snack City really fast, it sounds like sexy. Snack City, Snack City, uh, Snack City. anyway (laughs) okay and so now a bunch of fights are scrolled through super fucking fast and once again i'm not i'm not remembering all that the best time record for a tournament fight in in anime ever and and i'm just like okay at least at first i was outraged because i was like at least respect the tournament arc and then i thought about it and i was like but this show respects nothing about traditional shonen the whole point of the show is to make fun of all the traditional shonen things. <laughs> so, of course, they're, they're fucking just taking a big fat shit all over the tournament arc. <laughs> yep. They're just like, oh, this would be the point where you would be really invested in these fights. And we're going to scroll through them in a minute and a half. <laughs> um, but I, I love it. I do love it. It's one of my favorite things about this anime is everything is just fucking fair game. Um. Sourface finally goes up against some big ass guy, uh, and he just kind of wins, I guess. Yeah. But you don't really see the fight, which is another like shonen trope that they're shitting all over because you never would have like an important fight like that and then just not show the fight and be like anyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the thing with this show is like even when they do show those fights right now, it's just like frustrating to watch because like. Every fight this episode pretty much devolved into this like blur of just like unintelligible punches and kicks and it's like it just sucks to watch because there's like no weight to any of it, you know, like there was in the first season. And it's just like it's, or in other action shows, like even Demon Slayer yeah. has great weight to its combat when like Tandro is like slicing through the demons and stuff. Like it's I don't know, it seems well, like more, you know, on edge than this does. Anyway. Yeah, they don't have enough animation budget. To yeah. actually show the fights if they wanted to, which is a shame. But it's also kind of a, a thing of the show that they don't really want to show you the fights. because Yeah. Yeah, so it's a little of both, but yeah, for sure. Um, and then you get Saitama versus Bakuzan. And I'm like, yes, in a normal show, like this would be the epic fight. This would be like the, sh- the show, the, the fight to end the tournament arc. Um, he tried, and so... Bakuzan tries to do this monologue about how he has to beat someone who doesn't belong there, but Saitama like isn't listening and is just trying to tie his belt. 
<laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. And then this just makes Bakuzan so pissed off because he's like, you can't even fucking listen to me. You can't even fucking tie your belt. Um, and Saitama's like, yeah, I'm an amateur. Like, sh- show me why I should be afraid of you because I'm actually very interested in this. And Bakuzan starts like going on and on in villain style about like, I have this move and I can destroy all of your internal organs with it in one second. And then I have this move too, and it would do this and this to you. And Saitama kind of like listens for a little bit. But then he, Bakuzan actually touches Saitama's head on accident. And Saitama is alarmed immediately that he will be discovered. Yeah. (laughs) That that he's got this wig on. And so he just like punches him. And Bakuzan is thrown out of the ring and the fight's over. And Saitama's like, I didn't mean to do that though. I wanted you to show me more things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, it's it's very cute. Um, they have a little monologue towards the end where Snick apparently <laughs> used to be a good little Snick, but then he got so sad that all of the other people were more strong than him, and he's like, Sirius so talented, and he doesn't even use it, and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and then the poor Snick men. Goes bye bye. We all have to say goodbye. <laughs> it's very sad. Poor Snick. And then, yeah, poor Snick. Oh god. Um, and then at the very end, <laughs> now I just want to make a meme of like the poor Snick man with like the actual Snick man meme over him, yeah. and just them merged together. <laughs> R.I.P. Snick. <laughs> 2019 it's like faded black and white yeah uh, and then apparently at the very end it's like a, almost a post uh ending song little thing they there's a king and his name is orochi and he's in yeah. charge of this monster association and apparently the strongest monsters haven't even fucking been used yet and they're about to send someone to the stadium uh, so I guess this will be where the two arcs kind of collide. Um, and also, apparently, Genos is, like, done. They took him out with whatever the fuck was coming towards him. Like, he's gone. So that uh, that's interesting. Yeah, he's, like, Typical smashed Genos. into the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I guess things are starting to come together. I know. I, like, near the end of this episode, I was just thinking to myself, like, what is this show, like... What is what is even going on right now? Like, what is this all? <laughs> is this building towards anything, or is this all like bullshit? I I don't know, but uh, it's a little of both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's building towards something, but it's also bullshit. Yeah, I think that's fair. It it uh, it all comes together. It's all about the monsters. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I guess we'll stick around for that, maybe then. But yeah, it's 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 it was it was getting like. A little bit losing my attention this episode, even though it was kind of funny the entire way through. But yeah, yeah, there are parts of it where it gets a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy it for what it is, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, ready to move on to <gasps> no frog yes! monsters. Sarazan, my <laughs> this has become one of my favorite shows of the season. <laughs> Why does cat I like it know. more than the person who fucking locked it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I get so psyched about this show now. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 a weird fucking show. This is the weirdest episode of this show so far, so I'm excited to talk. It's about also it. the least repetitive. Mm-hmm. It is the least repetitive. You're right. It it's almost like it follows all the same beats, 
but the, the characters are in a different form and they're in different places while those the beats are happening. So, yeah. Um, episode six, I want to connect, so I'm not giving up. Uh, so this episode starts off all weird. Like I said, we're continuing on with the Sashet thief from last episode because they failed to capture his desire. And so the guys are still in Kappa form because Kappa didn't turn them back. And Kazuki's just like eating a shit ton of cucumbers at the beginning of this episode. Um, <laughs> He's stress eating cucumbers. Yeah, it's weird. Like there's one, there's one point where like all the cucumbers like pop back out of his mouth and there's like a fucking hundred of them. And I was like, what the... Anyway, the, the, the apparently the cucumbers are <laughs> tastier to kappas when they're in kappa form and stuff. So uh, they're like kappa crack. Does he basically have a problem? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Kazuki's little brother Haruka is still coming to terms with like the realization that his brother has been pretending to be Sara Azuma this entire time. Um, she says "dishu" at the end of all her senses, doesn't she? Dish. I'm just like, shut your whore mouth. Stop with that. <laughs> so then we get to this weird scene where Kazuki and Enta are doing something that can loosely be described as sumo wrestling. But uh, sure. <laughs> but also could loosely be described as foreplay. <laughs> yeah. Like really it's more Enta getting off on the fact that his sweaty ass and legs are in close contact with Kazuki's skin. Uh, and, Kazuki, yeah. at this point, Enta's just like, please take me, please. Yeah, pretty please much. Please take my sh- Shirodama. <laughs> Amazingly, <laughs> this actually isn't like a delusion of Enta's. I, that's what I expected. But like, Kepi puts like a mousetrap to his finger to like prove to him, like, no, you're not like asleep or something. No, or daydreaming. it's a trick stick gum. Oh, oh, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a mousetrap. I don't know. And, um, so yeah, he I guess this actually was happening. Uh and then the guys seem somewhat happy go lucky about their whole situation. They like w- end up walking to the place where Kazuki would always change his clothes and disguise himself as Sara. And Kepi is in the foreground of this scene. And he's like throwing some rings up around a pole. Oh, and then part. he jumps up and then like impales himself on this pole, landing on top <laughs> of those rings. And then the the camera changes to a reverse shot. With Toy in the foreground. And then in the background, fucking Kepi has like transformed into like a full human sized person with a two piece swimsuit and is pole dancing. And yes. it's just like, he just says like, pole dance. And I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I saw that too. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was just like a total non sequitur. But, but it was, it was like hilarious. That, but. that makes it amazing. <laughs> I was just, I was like, why? <laughs> I was like, what the? I, I'm like here watching the episode, like, I need to explain this to people who listen to my podcast. And I was just How sitting here fuck? like, yes! <laughs> so anyway, that happened. I don't, I can't really explain what it's supposed to mean. Probably nothing. It's, anyway. not, it's not supposed to mean anything. Yeah. It's just supposed to be amazing. <laughs> It pretty much was. So Enta realizes that Kazuki is putting on a front when he won't accept his soccer pass and tries to take him to a good cucumber spot to like calm him down. I don't know what a good cucumber spot is. That sounds like a euphemism for a lot of other things. Um, (laughs) Yeah. However, Haruka is there. So Kazuki like runs away before like he gets seen. Um, And Haruka, meanwhile, notices on like the 
his phone that their the otter app has appeared and one of the the otter cops rayo shows up and haruka tells him like he he took away his brother's smile and he wants to see his brother smile again and uh rayo kind of commiserates because his partner mabu has disappeared as well and he described him as like trying to act cool but also as like a doll whose emotions have fallen out of him so that's interesting it was actually very fascinating that part of it It's yeah i'm it's, i'm still not clear on like the dynamic between the two of them like whether they're like in love with each other or I think, what i yeah. think they're lovers mm-hmm. i can't because of like the themes in this episode where it's like desire versus love i can't tell if he's upset that the other one has betrayed him by being in love with him hmm Instead of desiring him, because that's like what otters want, right? Right. I well, the, they, the the whole thing they make clear this episode, like Rayo even tells Haruka right now, is that the future is only going to exist for those who can connect their desires and not those mm-hmm. who are in love with each other or something. Yeah, that they don't belong anywhere in the future that the otters want. So, yeah, so th- something's going on there, and it's it's kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so when Haruka, like, gets taken, um, Kepi turns into a phone, <laughs> and he's, like, he's kind of doing his best, like, Dopio from JoJo impression, where he's, like, and he turns into a phone, he's, like, hello, uh, and then he informs the guys, like, I guess somebody tells him that the Imperial Army or whatever have taken Haruka, uh, and they're the ones who destroyed the Kappa Kingdom, and they're going to kill Haruka and turn him into a Kappa zombie. And, th- and th- at this point, Kazuki decides like to drop all pretenses and say, okay, I need to go save my little brother. Let's go do this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there is no like otter dance sequence in this episode. And it's just like the beginning of it happens sort of, but then it like cuts away. So, you know, this like is not the same format like Leo was saying. Thank God. Um, <laughs> and so but but instead like Kepi takes the Kappas underwater like it explains to them how the otters like defeated the Kappas and then turned on humans you see like all these like artsy like renditions of like the battles in the past between the Kappas and the otters it's kind of cool um, and they infiltrate like the otter hideout which is what we usually see in the otter dance sequence like with all the boxes and like machinery like going around and like the st- scaffolding and stuff and so mm-hmm. Ka- yeah Kazuki calls Haruka on his cell phone and he can hear it ringing so that's how they're able to find like the one cardboard box that Haruka is in um, and so Enta and Toei like sort of help Kazuki to like, get past these gaps uh, of like closing doors and like these things that he can't get past and he gets to the box like but just too late and, like, a mechanism drops the box into this, like, endless chasm before he can reach it. And he's like, fuck. And so Kepi tells him, like, uh, yeah, Karka's dead unless you transplant your Shiriko Dama into him. Your butt pearl. Butt pearls. Uh, how- your butt <laughs> transplant. <laughs> yeah, we need a butt <laughs> transplant. Uh, if he gives up his Shiriko Dama, though... He will no longer be able to connect to anyone in the world, and it'll be like he never existed. All events and memories connected with Kazuki would be completely undone. It's like what we've been seeing with the Kappa zombies in previous episodes, where um, when they disappear, like all knowledge of them sort of disappears from the world as well. 
Um, yeah. So Kazuki realizes if he chooses to go this route that Haruka's accident would never have occurred, though. And so he's always felt guilty about that. So he asks Kepi to do it. And he starts being lowered into this pit on, like, a chain with a hook at the end. But Toei and Enta are, like, trying to convince him to stop. And they can't get to him in time. So Toei pulls a handgun out. Where the fuck he was keeping this handgun on his Kappa form? I have no idea. In his ass! <laughs> no, oh, they have so, little backpacks so right. on that they can open up. <laughs> Wait, I didn't see a backpack. No, oh, you mean like the shell thing? The yeah, like, little shell? Earlier in the episode, one of the guys opens it up and he pulls out... I can't oh. remember. He pulls out something. You ruined it, Leo. I think it's more <laughs> funny to imagine that they just have... Everything up their butt. That's like their purse. Is an actual ass pull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that Leo's probably on target there. And so yeah, yeah. I literally Toei watched it before like, they, we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Toei blows up the uh, the machinery that was like helping Kazuki descend into this it's pit. The chain hoist. Yeah, the hoist. Yeah. And so he comes flying back up. And like when he gets back up, Toei like punches him in the face. And tells him, think of something else rather than just throwing your life away, basically. And so, Enta also, like, jumps on him and shows him, like, the Misanga, which Haruka had given back to him. As proof that Haruka still believes in Kazaki and, like, wanted good things to happen for him. And so, at this very moment, Haruka's box is being judged at the bottom of this chasm by, like, this system. Um, and his <laughs> feelings are judged. box is being judged. <laughs> I know, I he thought that it's I'm just like, imagining Haruka as a girl, just like with legs. Bunch <laughs> of guys just looking. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's like if like there was like a package that was like going through like some sort of check, uh-huh. you know, like yeah. a, T- a TSA check or He's whatever. He's got a package and it has to be inspected. Oh my god! Do you guys like? Oh, whatever. <laughs> like, there's so many like uh, like it's like, everything is so ridiculously surface level. You have to find like even more things to like make <laughs> lewd. It's ridiculous. Um, so his feelings are judged to be those of love rather than libido it's funny that they call it libido in this one scene when they've been saying desire in every other place but essentially Mm. the same thing or or actually it kind of gives us more information about how the show views desire it's like Mm -hmm. a sexual desire it's like a lust rather than love I actually saw this as like a continuation of like you remember in uh, Yuri on Ice with like they have the Eros and then the Agape yeah yeah it's kind of like that I think you're right yeah like the pure love versus the like the dirty sexual love the desire yeah (laughs) well and both of them are like things that you want but you can't have both at the same time and they're both Hmm. missing something that the other one has so like they both are valid it's just interesting to see them use that in this way uh, we'll see where they go yeah so so Haruka gets rejected because he's got feelings of love and gets sent flying back up and then we see this other another short series of flashbacks where Haruka explains like why he was trying to run after Kazuki and make up with him and like in fact Haruka had picked up that sachet that Kazuki's biological mother had dropped and when he did he told her to stay away from Kazuki and never come back basically because he was worried that she'd take his older brother away who he loved and try to like he was trying to protect that relationship and so that's why he's he felt that he had hurt Kazuki and like taken his smile away at the same time so that that finally makes sense um 
And so Haruka's box is taken by this crane <laughs> away to be shredded <laughs> because I guess otters hate fucking love. They're um, like, oh, that's just trash. <laughs> yeah, it's, throw this trash away. Throw it away. <laughs> Uh, and the guys aren't sure what to uh, how to save him in time until Kepi is like, "I volunteer my adorable body if you if you care to use it." And before he can even like finish saying the sentence, like Toei picks him up and like he's like a soccer ball now and like kicks him immediately to Enta. And Enta's like, "Oh, Kazuki, and should I pass to him?" And Kazuki's like, "Yes, I need to. You need to pass to me. Pass right now." And so Enta Enta finally gets to like connect with him through this pass. And then, like, Kazuki pulls off a pretty sweet bicycle kick and kicks Kepi uh, into Haruka, who grabs onto him and then becomes, like, a parachute and gets him to safety, basically. Um, so, like, Haruka is, like, also narrating that Kazuki isn't alone, but is instead connected to a whole circle of people who care for him. Uh, and if this were any other normal episode, the Kappa Zamba... Oh, sorry. As if this was a normal episode, it then like immediately cuts to the Kappa zombie being defeated. So it's like all this like internal stuff that was going on is almost like what would be happening at this moment in a normal episode when they're like flying up a Kappa zombie's butt, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) But yeah, it cuts to the chase where like Kepi like eats like the Pearl of Desire and stuff. And yeah, so they've they've defeated that guy and so like the police officers are all annoyed they lost again and Rayo says like Kazuki helped him find some mysterious source of hope though like they show like a flash of something that looks like kind of like a cap it's like pink eyes I'm not sure what it is though on the screen it's bizarre yeah I don't know wait wasn't it surveillance footage of Kepi it, it may have been, yeah. They're like, Haruka helped him find it, though. So I suppose it, it must be Kepi, because Kepi is the key to all this. Like, I wonder why he's the only one, though. That'll also be interesting. Did he say he was a prince or something, or am I just imagining that? I don't know if he said that, but he said that he was... What did he say? He's like the only one He's the only who one can create who can dishes make of the hope. dishes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's left. Dishu. Yeah. Yeah. Dish. Uh, Dish. <laughs> so Kepi turns everyone back into humans and he's also like in like bandages because he's gotten kicked around like a soccer ball and like almost shredded and stuff like this entire time um, and Kazuki smiles at the other guys and he's like thank you for being there for me he he also like mysteriously says like he feels like a completely different person now that like all of this burden has been lifted off his shoulders but uh, the episode ends though on this like mysterious flashback with the police officers where they come up against some dark enemy that like literally says like darkness as it like attacks them and Mabu like dies quote unquote uh, while protecting Rayo and telling him not to let go of his desires since the future only exists for those who have their desires but it's also there was a flashback role before this sequence so it seems like this is something that happened a while ago so he didn't die I don't know we're gonna have to find out more next time but yeah it will be interesting there was, this was like a really goofy episode. There was lots of like slapstick stuff. Like there's one time like somebody lands on Enta and his Kappa eyes just go flying like <laughs> like huge strings away from his face. Um, oh, and his and glasses all the, stay on the whole time on where his pupils <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah. And uh, all the crazy shit with Kepi just bouncing all over the place this episode and becoming a parachute, becoming anything they needed at any given time was just very goofy. The more I watch it, the more I love it. I don't know why. 
it is definitely just very different from anything else going on right now, you know. That's probably why. Yeah. Because it's bizarre. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, so I'm kind of glad that they've sort of wrapped up this... I mean, they still need to talk to each other, but they've sort of wrapped up this arc between Kazaki and Haruka. And that mm-hmm. they finally have sort of forgiven each other because they both did wrong in different ways to each other in the past. And hopefully they can have a more healthy relationship now. But yeah. Yeah. Carol All on right. Tuesday! Yay! Yay! Okay, episode six. This is the best show ever. <laughs> I love it too. It's so good. Uh, and life is a carnival with Carol on Tuesday. That's so that yeah, life is a carnival. The title of this is, is a 1971 song by the band, who are really good. You should listen to the band if you haven't. Um, they used to be like Bob Dylan's cover band, and then like sort of became their own big thing. So yeah, after Carol on Tuesday's first performance at that that small club went well last week. Gus tells them he's like scored them a gig at this thing called the Sidonia Festival, which is like a gigantic music festival. They're, they would be in front of like a hundred thousand people. And when Tuesday hears this, she's just like faints into Carol's arms, and Carol's like, she looks at Gus and she's like, she broke. <laughs> <laughs> and like for like the rest of like as I'm talking about what's going on, like for the next few minutes, Tuesday is just literally like passed out, like trying to recover while yeah. everybody else is talking. Um, they're only backups. There's like no guarantee they're going to actually perform at the festival. It's only if this like guy, Joshua, who is the lead singer of the band Omega is unable to go on, which there's a very good chance of that. Cause Joshua is this like metal guy and he's a fucking Hellraiser. Uh, he's constantly causing trouble. He's notorious for canceling at the last minute. And he also has a really bad drinking problem. And so the music producer guy, like Hefner, had heard that, like, he was doing well. He had quit drinking. He was in rehab. So that's why he booked him. Uh, But he wants, like, insurance. And so he called Elizabeth, the club owner. And this was, like, right after Carol Tuesday's performance, I guess. So she put him on the phone with Gus and said, like, hey, like, this, this, they have a good act here. Like, Carol Tuesday could potentially stand in. So, yeah. Uh, that night the girls can't sleep so they decide like again to try to write a new song to like please Omega's fans which already is like a warning sign because it's like you can't just try to please somebody else's fans like that's not what you are that gets away from what you are as an artist though you know yeah I mean I think the idea though was that I thought it was interesting that they bring this up because like obviously usually they would never be able to get that spot even as a stand-in. Yeah, it's true. But they point out like whoever they get as a stand-in, all of those fans are going to hate them. Yeah, and exactly. And a terrible way to de- debut is to be like, and now would they hate us? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And so they they end up trying to write like a rock song of some sort, but like they end up falling asleep before they finish writing it. And they also don't have enough time to like really rehearse uh, before the performance. So a lot of bad signs going into this performance anyway. They hop on a train to the venue. They, there's like a little montage. They play a little bit on the train. Uh, and when they get off uh, at, in the middle of the desert, they're like excited to see um, that a famous singer named Crystal is going to be performing there as well. Uh, and so Gus goes off to talk money with Hefner and he warns the girls like stay away from Erdogan when no matter what you do. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, Roddy, who's working with Erdogan, uh, 
is like in the trailer with him. And it's sort of like what I predicted a little bit where Erdogan like is having an existential crisis wearing his like, who am I t-shirt and talking to a mirror. (laughs) He just like is having this whole conversation. He sort of like loses himself and then he turns to Roddy and Roddy's like, no, you're like the best Erdogan you've ever been. And he's like, oh, that's who I am. And then he like leaves the trailer and he says like, fire. As he leaves the trailer, it's ridiculous. He's such a caricature, but um. He goes out and starts, like, performing in front of this, like, ridiculous crowd. Uh, But then also Joshua shows up. But when he gets out of, like, his car, he's, like, super drunk. His fist is also bloody from having punched something, which they talk to. Like, he punches windows sometimes just because, like, they're too small. I don't know. Like, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Doesn't he always seem to do things to his hotel room? Because they're like, yeah, he punched his, like, hotel room door once. Exactly. Also another hotel room with the window. You think they'd just be like, no hotels for you. Yeah, yeah. I think he would be blacklisted a lot of places probably, yeah. Um. And his manager's like, oh, no, he'll be fine. But Hefner, like, tells Gus, like, no, nah, just get the girls ready. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> look fine. Um, so, meanwhile, Ertigan leaves the stage, and he almost hears the girls. And it's funny, he, like, refers to them as, like, as ominous. He's like, I think I thought I heard those ominous girls. And they, like, run away. But to avoid him, they have to go into this random trailer. And in there is this performer named Skip. Hell yeah. He's this- yeah. Oh, what about him, Leo? No, he's just... It- his performance is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's so interesting, though, because he's like this pretty jacked, like, black guy with, like, a super low voice. And the girls are intimidated by him as he tells them that, like, he recognizes them from their video. And they're, like, kind of scared. But then he seems to be pretty nice because he tells them, like, all musicians start out trying to sound, like, a certain way, like, searching for, like, a unique sound. But then once they get a little bit of fame and notoriety, they start to lose that unique sound over time. And he tells them, like, you girls still have it for now. Don't ever forget it. And I think that was pretty cool. That tells us, like, a lot about, like, his character and, like, what he stands for in a very short period of time. And it's also, like, very true to life. There's a lot of bands who have, like, one great record and then they get famous and then they never make anything interesting again. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Skip uh, passes Crystal on his way to the stage Uh, And she's, like, on good terms with him. And he tells her, like, stick around for the first song because it's her song. This is really cool because it's, like, a whole nother story between these two characters. Yeah, that you don't know. But I also thought, I feel like this is something that she's done before for him. Almost like it's a tradition that, like, she always goes to listen to his song. Yeah. He sings that song. I feel like they have... It's some sort of romantic relationship. I don't know if they're together or they used to be together. It sounds like they used to be together. And that's like, what I, that's what I for whatever thought. reason, yeah. possibly due to fame, yeah. it's yeah, kind of yeah. driven them apart for now. Yeah. Or forever. And so Skip is like a really interesting performer. He plays like a six string bass guitar. Oh, yeah. And, and he's got this like he's doing this like laid back, like improvised riff. And then, like, a company, like, violin joins in with this, like, electric piano in the background. And when he starts singing, I was really stunned, though, because... I know! <laughs> yeah. It's so... But it's so different from his, like... This is this is, this is the first time I really got thrown for a loop. Because he's singing in this, like, high falsetto voice. And in, 
the singer's voice does not sound very much like the voice actor at all. And so I was like, this is a little weird. Is it, there was a little bit of a disconnect there for me. But once I got over that, I was like, man, this is like a really cool song. <laughs> like, yes. I really it's like very this. cool, but I just never expected, first of all, his voice to be that high. Mm-hmm. And second of all, for him to be singing that kind of song. Because they kind of set it up like, I'm this badass guy and I've got piercings and like, Ugh, yeah, I'm I think that was part of the appeal was like kind of the song. shock when you're like, oh, you're going to do this kind of song. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of does hit you there. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, his bass playing reminded me of uh, an artist named like Victor Wooten, who's like an, a phenomenal bass player. Uh, and then, but then, like his singing reminded me of like I don't know, like John Legend or something. And I was like, this is so <laughs> weird. Um, it's like cool combination. Um, so yeah, the song's a pretty cool groove. And so, as for what Skip said to Crystal, like the song is all about unrequited love and the one that got away from him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we can assume he wrote this song about her after they broke up. Yep. For whatever reason. Yep. Um, and so Joshua is still freaking out. He's like hallucinating about like a beetle that's coming for him. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's fucking lost it. Uh, so Carol and Tuesday get ready to go on stage, and Tuesday's freaking out. So Carol goes to grab her some water from like a table, and after she gives it to her, she sees the label on the bottle says "For Joshua Only." Uh, I think we can assume there was some alcohol yeah, in there. <laughs> assuming. Because, like, I mean, yeah. it's called, it's not called liquid courage for no reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Tuesday's demeanor completely changes. She like sprints out on the stage, like all excited and like forgets her nerves. And so, yeah, the girls begin to play like a remixed live version of the Dancing Laundry song. My um, least favorite song of theirs. <laughs> yeah. Which so, I think is saying something because it's still pretty good i do like the remixed version right. a little bit better it's just a little cheesy but i yeah. i did i i saw i watched this episode for a second time today just before we recorded and i did like the performance a little bit more this time but I, like the way i came away from it was it's not supposed to sound that great this performance because yeah. they're live they're they've under rehearsed their their voices are a little bit off key for much of the song uh, and they're also scared. They're singing scared because people are literally throwing garbage at them because they're yeah. like, oh, it's not Omega. What the fuck? Like, nobody told us this would be like these two little girls. We're like metal fans. Like, we don't want to hear this. And so, yeah, it does not go well. And so as in the middle of their performance, the stage lighting just suddenly changes and Joshua arrives on stage and starts screaming the opening lyrics to one of his. I was so pissed for the girls when that happened. I know. It's like you couldn't even show up and now you're going to do it. Like it's so shitty, but I'm sure like this has happened to people before. But like, of course, you would never, ever agree to like, you know, like open for somebody if they ever did this to you. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. It's really shitty. Uh, So they go off the backstage and Tuesday starts crying and Carol like holds her and hugs her. Uh, And then Crystal shows up and she tells him like it was like a wonderful performance. Crystal is so fucking hot. Holy shit. She's also like very kind in this. It's it's interesting. She is really kind, which I did not expect. I thought thought she would be kind of bitchy or something. Yeah, because that's usually the stereotype. Yeah, she's a big deal, it seems like. Um but Skip could never love a woman who was a bitch. That's true. Like the, the <laughs> you're so right. Like the connection she has with Skip, like kind of leads me to believe that like she is like a really good person. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, for whatever reason, that just didn't work between them. As briefly as I learned about each of their personalities, you, you I am 100% convinced that you could tell me they had some type of a romantic relationship in the past. And I would go, oh, I yeah. believe that 100%. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells like the girls like it was she thought it was brilliant how they stood their ground in front of a hostile crowd. And that even if it was only a few people, like she's sure that their song reached some of them because like she's going to remember them. And so the girls, after they get a hug from her and then like after this happens, like Gus and Roddy come up, like expecting them to be super depressed. And the girls are just like, oh, my God, we just got hugged by Crystal. Yeah, they're um, like, you could say, what about your performance? They'd be like, what performance? We got hugged by Crystal. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, so that's good. So that it, it turned out somewhat well for them. And um, then it's finally tur- uh, Crystal's turn to go out and perform. Uh, she's like last up. And she sings this like slow R&B song in like a very kind of Ariana Grande style voice, I thought. Uh, and she sounded great. Um, she also had this like crazy visual effect thing going on where like these like white birds start flying around the stage as she sings and like one lands on her at the end of her song and like clearly she is like the real fucking deal. Yeah, but what what was her song about? It was about I think it was about being unbroken. I think that was the the I thought the lyric. she I th- to me I, the what was coming across was that she was still in love with Skip. It's possible, yeah. That's how that's how I interpreted her song. I don't know, like, uh, I really, I'm sure we're going to find out, like, what went down between them, but I'm, I'm curious, like, speculate, like, whether her management told her, like, like, she couldn't associate with this guy, or whether it was some weird thing, or maybe she felt that Skip lost his sound, and that's why he tells the girls not to, like, forget who they are. I don't know, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's, like, lost his initial sound. No. He seems like a really unique performer, so I don't think that's it. Um, yeah, it is odd. But it's cool that like a like a festival concert like this like opened up so many new characters. Like even Joshua is just like a fucking ridiculous character like um to introduce and like somebody I would like sort of like to know more about. But uh yeah, like uh for an introduction for Crystal and Skip, this was great. As as I mean the show goes on, you just love it more and more and more. Like Mhm. I've I've also been on bad about no I've also been on YouTube multiple times listening to all the songs over and over. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah, I think the uh, um, from our Discord, who was it? Blue Caleb got mentioned our Discord that like the OP and ED got added to Spotify as well. So I I added those to a playlist. I also put in our Discord. uh, There's a, uh, a like a live version of like the two singers actually performing the songs. For the op, oh yeah, yeah, the I music that, video, yeah, yeah, I put that in there too. So it's really cool to see them actually performing it, the real live flesh and blood. So, That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. And it is a white girl and a black girl. <laughs> yeah, so, which is more authentic to how they would actually sound. So I like yeah. that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else about this episode? No, Mm-mm. I think that's it. But it's just I don't know, like the way that they set up the episodes is very. It's just so, I don't know. There's not a lot of shows where every episode you go away going, yeah, that was really fun to watch. Yeah, that's true. I fully intend to watch this a second time when the dub comes out. And I never do that. Yeah, I so rarely do that. 
know, it's a, it's a fun thing to do with Netflix shows because it's a good way of going back and <laughs> actually watching them when you're supposed to watch them at the end of the oh, day. Oh, but I know. I mean, I could give a shit about the dub usually. Usually, so that yeah. Tells about this show. Yeah, yeah, the dub will be really interesting for this for sure. Um, I would I would right. expect them to keep the same uh, people who are singing the same that audio exactly the same though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we move into mid-season cuts? Dun dun Was it dramatic enough? What? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. <laughs> uh, so it's time to make any mid-season cuts if we feel like we want to replace any of the shows we're currently watching right now. Uh, as a reminder, locked shows can only be cut by the person who locked them. Uh, of course, other people can try to convince them to drop things, but uh, any other show just requires like two-person majority to be cut and replaced with something. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into things that we might want to cut, why don't we talk about other things we've been watching that could potentially be replacements? Um, so I think we've all been watching Hitori Bochi on the side, right? Yep. That's what it looks like. Yes. Well, I, I'm not as ahead of you guys as you guys are, but yeah. I, I watched Yeah, I am yeah. cut up on it. Yeah, I haven't. Okay, episode nine is out, but I have not watched it yet. Yeah, I think I've watched like eight episodes as well. Um, and I'm still liking it. Like, I think it's really cute. Uh, I kind of like the ninja girl. She's fun. She's awesome. I, I liked the girl who was like this class president with like the black hair with the short bowl cut. I don't know what her name is. The, the, the ninja girl had the really good episode where she was kind of lonely because she lived by herself. But then they oh, all cheered yeah. her up. That was a pretty interesting, touching episode. Kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. Um, I don't know. Like, Bochi starts to get on my nerves sometimes, but she, like, balances out it out by being, like, freaking adorable and hilarious. So, I don't <laughs> I, I'm, like, 50-50 on Bochi as, like, the main character. Like, I sometimes like her, but sometimes she's just, like, way too much for me. And it's just, like, stop. But I think that's the point, obviously. Yeah. Um, what else have you watched? Uh, I watched uh, a bunch of Ow Chan Can't Study. I've been keeping that's up with that. That's adorable. I've just watched I that love one too. that show. Fucking funny. I really like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel bad for people who like can't find humor in it <laughs> because like I'm constantly laughing at it. Um, it's it hasn't like really moved on like narratively crazily or anything. It's just like the same general like the girls like falling in love with the guy more and more and getting into looter and looter situations and it's fun it's it's just good fun and it's short so it's like easy to get into um but like with that and Hattori Bochi I just feel like sort of with both of them there's like not a ton of stuff to talk about um Hattori Bochi kind of goes how you would expect like she meets a new girl she's wacky the new girl is wacky in some weird way and Hattori Bochi somehow becomes her friend um it's like the same thing uh one thing that's really exciting and interesting is uh Sanko-san no sure. <laughs> they introduced a, a, a fox girl with white hair named Shiro uh, who's somehow even sluttier than the first girl. Well, Does, okay, isn't so she, she even younger looking? <laughs> I mean, I think it's up to your like of oh, your wait, opinion. You, you're not talking you're not talking about the uh oh, we're talking about fo- Yeah. You, you tricked me cuz I, I thought you were talking about that dumb poetry thing. Oh, no, not that one. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I have been watching uh, uh more of that Senryo shojo. But um 
I'm kind of just bored with that, honestly. It's really cute, yeah. but it's it's not doing anything very interesting for me. So it's it's okay. nice fluff. But yeah. Yes, the for the Fox anime. I am also watching this. Yes, the white girl is sluttier. <laughs> but like <laughs> She's just like another, you know how some guys like the hard to get girl who's like a bitch? Yeah. Like that's what she's there for. The main attraction still is there's this girl, you come home every fucking night, she's made you food. And she's like, but you she's had a, a lolly. I don't give a shit if she's a lolly. That's not what I'm in this for. I'm in this for the wife porn. Clearly, I never knew I needed a wife this badly. I needed to find a woman to put into this very stereotypical gender role for myself. Like a disgusting human being. Well, it's funny, like, once those three sort of get settled in, like, whenever they're together now, like, the guy and Senko act as, like, the mom and dad to Shiro, who is, like, their little, like, precocious daughter type of character. They're a little spoiled brat, The spoiled basically. brat of a daughter, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the episode that went a bit over the top for me was the the bath episode where Senko was, like, naked the entire time. Oh, wow. That was a little too much. Um, but yeah, it's still fun to watch and laugh at this show every week uh, for being Clearly, as ridiculous as it is. they just need to make more of these, but like with adult women. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. That that I would definitely be on board with. I want like a million of these. Like as many of these stupid, weird, like lolly shows, they can like cut that in half, give us some really good stuff and still have their like half as many lolly shows. Pretty much, yeah. So. Uh, I've also been watching Isekai Quartet. Uh, I'm bored as fuck. Why? It's Are not good. It? But I've just been kept keeping up with it, and like occasionally they they will make a good joke here and there. But it's just like it's bonkers to me how little how how very rarely that actually happens. Like especially with like all of the material they have to work with. That they just, like, have not come up with anything. It feels like a case where they are saving all of their actually good jokes for further seasons of these shows rather than uh, wasting them here. Like, why Why would they waste a good joke between, like, the ReZero characters when we're going to get a season two next year, most likely? Like, so, it's it sucks. It's, it's really Do you sucks. think it's too late for a ReZero season two, though? It, it's getting there. It's almost approaching Attack on Titan time, but yeah. it is nice that they've had this Isekai Quartet thing to at least remind people that like it's a thing. It a, exists. They exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, a show started airing. It's a two-minute show. I think it's two minutes, maybe four minutes. Called Miru Tights. All right. Tell me what the fuck this is, because I saw <laughs> this on your list, and I was like, what? The actual fresh hell is this. Okay. So, Kat, imagine a Japanese teenage schoolgirl. Imagine a okay. city where it's named A, <laughs> and there's these girls. Oh, you fucking bitch! Shut your mouth, Leo! Shut your whore mouth! No. You don't tell me what it is. Imagine that this Japanese schoolgirl is wearing a skirt and a uniform and black, okay. black stockings. Is this a fetish anime? Oh, about yeah. Tights? yeah, it is. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. It is 100,000% okay. 
a fetish anime about girls' legs and feet in stockings and upskirt shots of them in stockings. Um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Like, in the first episode, like, one of the girls, like, stockings get wet in the rain, and she gets to school, and she's, like, wringing them out, and she has to, like, slowly take her stockings off, revealing uh-huh. her legs. It Like, in, like, I think the most recent episode, the girls are, like, piled on top of each other in the locker room. It's just, like, one huge mass of, like, panties and stockings and butts flying everywhere. It is just... <laughs> <laughs> it is just like a perfect fetish show. It is it is really good. For anybody who enjoyed uh legs and feet in SSSS Gridman, you should be fucking watching Mirror Tights and having fun with it. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they did do a study of the most common fetishes and they found that Feet is the most common one, which is what? weird to me. This is That's just weird. Such an too. interesting fetish, which for a long, t- for a very long time, I didn't understand. And then Gridman aired, so <laughs> <laughs> you could say I have a fetish for anime feet, at least, if not real ones. But mm. uh, yeah, in the last show, I've I've sort of kept up with. I've watched like three and a half episodes. Uh, is Kono Oto Tomare, The Sounds of Life, the uh, the one about playing Koto. I got really turned off by the third episode because they they go to see this performance of a bunch of uh, kids who are in like the main girls Koto school uh, playing like a piece and like the girls like, oh, we're going to play this piece to impress like the principal and like have him allow us to remain a club and not just like a joke. Um, But like so they go to see this piece and they're supposed to be like really impressed by it. And, like, they don't even show the kids playing at all. It's just, like, the music and, like, a still image of the kids, like, supposedly playing the Kotos. Well, but they have a limited budget. And for shows like this, you have to, like, it probably would have taken a lot of their budget to animate it. You do have to think about that. But even with shows like Your Your Line April, where like they had limited amounts of time where they showed people playing piano and violin, like they still showed them when they had to, when they had those big moments. Um, well, but Your Lie in April was a really popular show. Well, yeah, but how did they know that before they started making it? You know, I still think they kind of know sometimes what they what they're what they have on their hands. Be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I this, mean, this show is getting don't. two like, seasons. Like, it's getting like a split core. So they they've invested in twenty four episodes of this show. I don't know. I I've heard that. Uh, uh, I'm going to keep watching because I've heard people who are caught up to it right now are saying that it's gotten better. Um, so I'm I'm optimistic about the future of this show hopefully but right now i'm just like Ugh. i mean they also invested like a billion episodes in guts and uh <laughs> and that cg nightmare <laughs> and, i mean point. that was bad <laughs> yeah that doesn't so mean bad. anything so <laughs> uh you guys been keeping up with any other shows Oh yeah, so I watched We Never Learn Boku whatever the fuck. It's a it's the slutty harem show yeah. of the season. I, I always have to watch it. <laughs> I'm in it for the girls. I gotta get those girls. I'm watching it too, but like I've only watched four episodes. I don't know if I'll end up watching more. <laughs> that girl's tan lines are as nice as they seemed. Uh-huh. Say. It's mostly just slutty harem shit. Okay. But it's good. It's decent quality harem shit. 
Um, That's fair. Midnight Occult Servants. The animation quality is not great, but the story is okay. I'd say, like, it's it's okay. You might want to watch it. Um, it's not anything, like, amazing. So, um, that's most of the stuff that I've been really into. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching Wise Man's Grandchild. Uh, How's that? How are you watching that trash? I tried. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I really it. find it interesting for some reason. I think because I just pretend I'm the main character, so... I gave up when like <laughs> the fight with the main guy happened in like episode four, and I was just like, "This is dumb." With if that's the, what they're gonna t- pull out, I'm out. The student or the teacher? With the teacher. Okay, that's and you're the, still really early. Well, but like the way they did it was so dumb. I was like, "No, I'm out." Like I tried. The main character is just so op. That's I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> He basically just went one punch man on him and destroyed him. <laughs> yeah. Uh another show is Fairy Gone. Oh, uh, you're still watching that? I so is Cat, apparently. Uh I am. I I'm way behind on it. It got it got really I'm political dedicated. and like I have a really better huh. understanding of this world now, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I thought you hated politics, like our political shows. <laughs> I usually do, but like uh Attack on Titan last season kind of won me over on that. And this mm-hmm. one because I'm also learning of this world and it's just so different that I I'm getting I'm going with it for some reason. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. He likes it because we don't like it, Become. It's like his emo stand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still keeping up with Black Clover of course of course. Yes! Oh my god. It's so popular now and all of you all <laughs> were like, It's shit and we're gonna shit on it. Oh be Meh. quiet. We've heard you say this a hundred times, Kat. I'm just saying, I told you all then, and you all were like, that's dumb. It's not going to be popular, and now it is, and now you can all eat shit (laughs) and and die. My my last one, which I am unfortunately only seen four episodes of, and I will definitely be catching up on, is Roby Hachi, because it's just goofy fun. And it reminds me so much of like Space Dandy, and I really like Space Dandy, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's, That's it. What if, what if any shows that we are currently covering would you potentially think about dropping? Uh, definitely Sars Omni. <laughs> so I came in, I will say I came into episode six of Sars Omni very open minded about dropping it. Because one of, one of the reasons was uh, as much as I fe- feel like the interactions that are happening are interesting, like, and that, like, the narrative arcs of the individual characters are kind of intriguing. I thought it was just like really formulaic, which is a very Ikuhara thing, but I was kind of getting tired of the formula of every episode. But then we got episode six, which didn't follow the formula necessarily. So I was like, okay, they're trying they're doing something different. (laughs) Finally. I still love it. Yeah. I don't know. I liked episode six because it was so goofy. It was so different. And it it finished the damn Hazaki and Haruka arc, which I just really did not care about very much. Well, if you replace uh, it, I would recommend Hitori Bochi. I know yeah. that if you replace it, you guys are going to replace it with that because you go through in love with it. And you know what? It's okay if you do that. It's okay because I, I will cope in the way that I cope best. 
the only, I guess, the the second show I would potentially replace is One Punch Man season two. But I feel like we're all watching the show to go down with the ship anyway, as we said. And honestly, the show has been more enjoyable to me than I thought it would be at the, at the after like the first two episodes. I think um, once I adjusted to the animation and it being a yeah. different studio, I was pretty much okay with it after that point. Yeah. I really d- wouldn't mind dropping it. It's not my favorite show I've ever covered, but I don't hate it either. So, And also, I know what's coming up, so like, I'm still kind of excited. Yeah, there's fun things going to do some other cool stuff. So The poor animation yeah. still bugs me, but it's still it's funny enough that I'm enjoying watching it week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only other one I would like potentially think about dropping is Fruits Basket, but I, I like it too much. How dare you <laughs> even suggest? I will whoop your ass. <laughs> like uh-uh. I'm not. I'm obviously not dropping Carol because it's like the best show ever. I'm not dropping Attack on Titan because it's fucking amazing. Um, and like Dororo, we've come this far. Can't drop it now. Mm-hmm. No, and, and it's, Demon Slayer has been good as well. It's, it's recovered it, after yeah. its stumble in like episode fifteen or sixteen. So yeah, yeah. For sure. I think it was 15. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so really, I think the only thing to do is just to decide whether or not you're dropping Sara's on my. Yeah, which uh, for Bochi, I don't think I'm going to. It's just Bochi is good. It's just not. Gr- it doesn't hook me like Mitsuboshi Colors did. It's it's also a very formulaic show, which was my complaint about Sara's on And I so thought you were going to go Miru Tights. That's uh, <laughs> it's too short. <laughs> I mean, like, man, you, every every time, just be, and then there were more tights, and it was sexy, <laughs> and they were flying through the air. <laughs> Look, trust me, I could find ways to talk for twenty minutes about a four minute episode about girls and tights. Trust me. But, oh, I uh, don't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I will keep people posted on mirror tights. Don't worry, I, <laughs> it'll be on my mind for a while. But um, mm-hmm. no, I don't, that's not something I could replace it with. I don't know. I would consider maybe Ouchan can't study, but even then, like Sarazama is just like as much as it's like a weird show, and I don't know if I like it at times. Uh, it's so much more interesting than almost anything else airing. That like, yeah. See, if you if you had switched to Hitori Bochi, I just would have switched to Sarazama. <laughs> Is that something we could do? I didn't even. That no, would have been like a they, first. No, no, no! You don't get to retroactively. No, no, no! I'm saying like I don't even know if that's like. <laughs> was that against the rules? That's like a very. I don't know. That, that's true. Can like somebody save something that's been dropped by somebody who locked it? I don't I know. I mean, sure you can. I guess if you drop your own lock, yeah, I guess that could t- potentially happen. Oh man. Oh no! What is going on here? <laughs> but anyway, oh, no. I was like, no. We don't need to do that, though. I mean, it would be the same yeah. as just dropping One Punch Man for Hattori Bochi at that point. But um, yeah. I think I think we're good where we are. It's I'm sad to say that we're not replacing another show this season, but fuck, we're just so good at picking them, guys. You know, we're just so <laughs> smart. So Really, it's just there's not that many good things on. Yeah, it's, it comes down to that. Like, Hattori Bochi is on the edge there, but... We, we came in this se- season knowing it was a little short, so... Mm-hmm. Actually, at the surprising. very beginning, I was excited, and then I realized slowly that it, it really was actually pretty shit. And I was like, "Oh." Luckily, <laughs> the shows we do have are pretty damn high quality. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? Sometimes you don't need a bunch of amazing. You just need a few good ones. 
I literally only need Carol on Tuesday. Well, and maybe Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan's been great. Well, because sometimes I think they have these seasons where there's so many really good ones, it's almost unfair. Mm-hmm. I prefer show seasons where like there's some good ones and then the rest are okay to seasons where you can't even cover all the good shit. True. I, I feel like I definitely need Attack on Titan, Carol on Tuesday, and Demon Slayer, and the rest I could probably easily live without, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I am still really loving JoJo though, so mm-hmm. it is fun. Yeah. It's a really fun show. I'm also because I have not seen the first season watching that on Netflix, so <laughs> I'm getting a double nice. dose of JoJo. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I am thirty episodes into part four at the moment too. Like basically the same distance we are into part five, and I'm gonna be Ooh. finishing that soon. Part four, man, part four is really good. <laughs> like, so you're you're up around killer queen uh yes yeah he's been introduced yep okay cool yeah no it's fucking great there's an episode of part four where they just go to an italian restaurant and this guy has a stand where he like cooks shit that just like heals you like literally heals you and it's like all sinister at first you think like they're gonna die but actually like no he like just makes really good food that like heals people and i was so happy it was the best episode (laughs) oh man is that anyway, it? that's a lot. That's enough, Jojo. Uh, we should close out this podcast. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. And I live in City K. What the <laughs> fuck, you guys? You assholes. You're welcome. Uh, remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube to get updates on new podcasts or videos. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, whatever you use. It's on there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Nerdum Another for updates as well. Uh, come hang out in our Discord with the link in the description. Seriously, our Discord's fun. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Later. Later.